Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Hey everybody, we are back uh, and welcome. Uh, this is episode 96 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We're doing a uh, uh, we're getting the band back together type of a feel uh, to talk about the uh, the recent events, uh, whether it be the draft, the free agent frenzy, and, and news surrounding the Boston Bruins um, in this long off season. So um, I got to welcome back uh, to the panel uh, Court Lawan from the beautiful Toronto area and. Um, Mr. Rob Tomlin from the wonderful country of the United Kingdom. Welcome, gentlemen. It's great to have you back and uh, talk some Bruins. It's been too long. It has. It has. Yeah. But I, I, I just, I, I got to get this out because I, I was checking out the stats on um, on, on our uh, podcast, what we use for podcasts, and um, I was amazed. And I, I put it out on social media, on Facebook and Twitter today uh, about how amazed I was. Uh, it's kind of funny that we haven't we've done one episode, and it wasn't even with you guys in two months, and we've gotten 124 listens in the past 24 hours and 853 in the past seven days. So if you would have had us on, you would have had like a thousand by now. That's probably oh, it. Boy. That's boy. probably it. 
But I was just amazed that people are still listening. It's like they're going back in the archives and they're getting caught up. I mean, these numbers are crazy. Um, we haven't done a show since May 12th. And we're actually, this is 96, and we're actually 7,000 away from 100 grand. Ooh. I mean, that's just amazing. And, and we, we have to thank all of you first. Uh, if you guys weren't committed listeners and loyal, we, we wouldn't have these numbers. So thank you all for, for what you do as fans. And, you know, that's, that's just really appreciative uh, from the whole podcast team here. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there because that, that's definitely important news. Um, but I, I think the biggest news of the summer so far was 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 landing uh, the big fish of uh, John Tavares in in free agency and and I know Toronto landing the right. What did I say? Did I say something you else? You said landing the. It just anyways. Never well, mind. Semantics. Right. No big deal. Um, so he goes to Toronto. It's in the division, and that makes that team obviously much better. But from a Bruins standpoint, they were in the top three at that table, sitting down, talking to him, and potentially getting a deal done. Obviously, it didn't happen. But why? Why I bring it up is is the positive reaction I saw from Don Sweeney in his um, in his uh, interview uh, to the panel of media um, last week or the week before, and. He was he was like happy about how it went, and that and that's positive for me moving forward because when you get a better free agent class next next summer, they those guys are ready. These guys learn so much from sitting down with a superstar like JT, and you know they absorbed. So I think that the, that whole team did a great job, even though they didn't land them. And 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 the other thing is the frustration from Bruins fans that they didn't go that extra mile to get him. I just don't think that that was in an equation at all when it comes down to to, to, to the Tavares camp. Um, I think he wanted to go home all the whole time. So, you know, kudos to the Bruins organization for being at least at that table and discussing. I mean, that's, that's huge, even though we didn't get the player. Yeah, and a lot of people were saying on Twitter, and I totally agree, to land Tavares, you would have had to trade someone first. So I think that kind of put him off a bit, knowing that he'd have to wait. Because you'd have to get rid of some cap from somewhere oh, yeah. before you sign him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you could actually sign him and then move the cap. As long as you can, all you have to do is yeah. move the cap before the season starts. But yes, yeah, but you're if right. You can't, if you can't get rid of that cap by the season start, then you lose out on draft picks. And I think the main thing he wanted to part of was like a winning team where they keep the draft picks and keep building so it's one of them things I, I yeah okay I don't I don't mind him not signing with Boston it annoyed me more that he signed with Toronto and it being in the division that's that was the thing that was annoying for me but yeah what are you, gonna do? you and me both buddy it's, yeah. it's a lot harder when you live in Toronto. Sorry, Toronto <laughs> area. And uh-huh. everybody in the world is planning the cup parade. And I'm like, all right, people. I, the one thing I'll keep saying over and over again, Vegas went to the finals with a team that everybody thought was going to be the absolute worst. You know what? People say Sweeney missed out on Tavares. He didn't miss out. San Jose offered him the most money, and he turned them down. Like Mark, he wanted to go home. It's 
It had nothing to do with anything. He he wasn't coming to Boston, people. So it, regardless of what happened, it would Krejci have gotten traded or Bacchus or whatever would have happened? Yeah, obviously somebody would have had to got moved after the fact. But he wasn't coming here. It is what it is. It's just like with this whole Carlson thing. He ain't coming here either. So it is just whatever. Just move on. Right. Pretty much the way I'm looking at it. Uh, I'm almost in the part of not wanting to talk about Tavares. Let's just play him first and beat him in the first game, and then shut everybody up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll we'll move on from this this topic now, and uh, unless you had something else to touch on, Rob. Uh, I, the only thing I was going to say is, you imagine it's hard being in Toronto. The only uh, superstar we've ever had over here in the UK is is nasty. So <laughs> yeah. There what was that guy that just got drafted? Uh, the, what Kirk Liam Kirk? Yep, there you go. Yeah. So we yeah, did that's... we we did talk about him a little bit. I, I wasn't yeah. gonna do it because he wasn't Bruins property, but good for you. I mean that's that's awesome for your country that you know players are coming out and I mean look at that Walker kid for Washington and Australia. I mean yeah. Well, I watch... The thing is, hopefully that means that the government will start putting some more money into what is a government-funded program in the UK because yeah. most of the rinks are owned by the councils. So Right. Yeah. So hopefully this brings a bit of attention to the UK ice hockey-wise and like makes the rinks better because I know my local rink, uh, one of the pipes burst at centre ice about two years ago and there's been a big mound in the middle of the ice since then. Oh, that sucks, man. And, and when you're going to play a game and you're skating uphill, and they actually call the um, the ice now Mount Blackburn. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit crazy. So, um, yeah, that sucks. I know. Hopefully, that you know, you can get back out there and play. Are you still playing? Uh, not at the moment, but yeah. Soon. Um, moving on to another subject that kind of irked me a little bit when it comes to uh, the cesspool of uh, NHL Bruins Twitter. Uh, is is the the news of Rick Nash? Um, you know, I just don't like when people when when injuries happen. I don't like when when folks out there think that they are the better person and target anybody that, that is going through a tough time right now. Um, Rick Nash's career is is up in the air right now. He doesn't know what he wants to do. Uh, either come sign with Boston or sign anywhere else in the NHL. Basically, telling teams to back off. Uh, he needs time uh, with family to figure out his future, and and I think this is this is a noble thing for himself and and his family, and the, the hate that it got generated. I mean, I mean, calling him a wuss because he he won't sign anywhere. You know, it's just a little head bump, but you know, I I've had I've had a concussion recently, not not as bad as as courts, but. You know, that's something you just don't mess around with. I mean, this kid's got uh, a wife and kids that he's got to think think about. So, I uh, just, you know, let him be a human and make the decision for himself and, you know, just kind of leave him alone. It's just kind of asinine that people just, they target being weak when decisions are like this. I, I just don't understand it. But Yeah, and that's probably why the Bruins have backed off on time than anyone yeah, like bigger in free agency because I think they think they're set with what they've got now. But if a guy like Rick Nash decides to sign, then the cap space is still there. So, 
Yeah, because a lot of people arguing about that. So it's at the cap space right now. Uh, um, three mil, three million. Andrew Thompson said something about that earlier today. Uh, well, so GMs can make their biggest mistakes on July one, and frankly, besides Tavares, there wasn't much out there. Like, I'm sorry, John Carlson just wouldn't like he wasn't going anywhere. He just won a cup. And second of all, I don't think he would have his cap hit and everything all together. It just wouldn't even have made any sense. A lot of a lot of big big ticket items get signed on this day and a lot of times they don't pan out and two years later half the fandom wants them gone so what you want them to go out there and make big mistakes on day on days like uh, free agent signing i don't know it's just right. my opinion the, is what it is i think you could, you could make better better deals at the draft table or uh or just trading throughout the season yeah, and you know, let's just let's discuss that. I mean, that was next on the uh, on the punch list here for, on the agenda. So, um, what happened on on, on July first? Uh, Bruins departures. I'm going to do that first. Um, Tommy Cross signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Nick Holden signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. Paul Postma remains unsigned. Tommy Wingles remains unsigned. Riley Nash signs with Columbus. Tim Schaller signs with Vancouver. Kenny Agostino signed with uh, Montreal. Hope he has a terrible time there. Uh, Austin Zarnick signed with uh, the Calgary Flames. And Anton Hudobin signed with Dallas. We'll get to that topic after because I, I need to touch on that for all the Dolby lovers out there. And, and like I said, Rick Nash is undecided on NHL return. The incoming players, we'll do this one by one, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of go, you know, shotgun style. We'll just kind of give an opinion about it. Uh, the Bruins signed 33-year-old Yaroslav Halak. He's a goaltender uh, to an NHL contract. Two-year NHL contract worth $2.75 million. Uh, he started in 49 games last season with the Islanders, going 20-26-6. and six. Kind of a high goals against, but that's the team in front of him. And the save percentage was kind of low, below the league average at 9.08. Thoughts? That is an amazing signing. You've been, that money. you've been on the Halak train for a couple of years now. I suggested it when he had his slump and he got, uh, I think he got waived when he was at, I think it was 5.2 or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I said about trading for him uh, and trying to get him at half price, which is exactly what the Bruins signed him for. Pretty much half price what his old contract was. So um, I, I just think it's an absolute steal. You get a guy who's been a number one at a club, can win games, especially when he's got a good decor in front of him. And uh, Kudobin signed for, what, 0.25 million less than he did? Um I just think that that was the best thing for business. Absolutely. I thought it was an upgrade in the goaltender position. Um, As you know, I I think Hudobin is streaky. Um, If you really look at his stats, he's only really had the one decent season. I wouldn't say great. I'd say decent because he has so many stretches where, as much as the fan base wants to dump on Tuca, Jesus, Hudobin, you don't even know what you're getting half the time. He's all over the ice. I don't know. I just wasn't a huge fan, and I think it was more of his playing style. Um, him as a person was great. Um, Mark has different insight. He's probably going to be sharing in a bit. But I think Halak will play better as the backup and be more consistent backup. 
for for this team. And if you actually look at the dollar and cents after tax, Hudobin's making more money in Dallas. Oh yeah, tax free state. So everybody keeps saying, "Oh, Hudobin took less," and I'm, I'm like, you know, or the exact same. Sorry, um, we all just went through the whole Tavares thing. I'm pretty sure we know what about the taxes now. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about contract and who Dobin's actually going to be making more. But I know, speaking to Mark, he had some other insights into this signing. Uh, yeah, um, the I I like the Halak signing, but what I don't, I nobody knows what's going to happen next season. That it all remains to be seen. So, but this guy has been known to be a workhorse on the on the franchises that he's played for as a starter. So it's going to be interesting where he's going to be looked in a role where you're going to take back. I mean, he started in 49 games last year. He's not going to get that amount this year. Um, it, it, I mean, it would be nice to give Tuca just a little more rest and a little more reliability from the uh, from the, the backup role. But he's 33 years old. I mean... I, I I'm I'm looking forward to what he can bring and how what kind of impact player he can be. Uh, I know the the backup role isn't such a big impact, but you know it can be uh, a source of leadership and so on. I mean Anton Hudobin really taught uh, Brandon Carlo about how to be a defenseman. You know, <laughs> did you guys hear that? Yeah, and then Brandon Carlo replied with he couldn't tell a word he was saying. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, yeah, because apparently he was talking to him in Russian on the bench. Exactly. I didn't have a clue what he was saying. <laughs> the, yeah. the kid from Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado, is uh, doesn't understand the word of uh, of Russian or Kazakhstan, wherever he's from. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, I think it's a good signing. It's good money and good term. Um, you give you give this you give Halak uh, the opportunity, but you also give the depth in in, in the crease uh, some more time to. Uh, develop and you know Vladar obviously is uh, going to be playing with the the Providence Bruins next season on a full time level, splitting time with uh, Zane McIntyre. So it, it, it's good all around. Uh, but uh, moving forward to uh, the Bruins signed 27 year old defenseman John Moore to a five year NHL contract with an annual cap hit of 2.75 million. He played in 81 games for the New Jersey Devils last season, posting seven goals and seven assists. Uh, he's six three two ten. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Um, I, I don't hate the sign. I don't hate the person or the player. It does address a need that everybody seems that we 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 have to get this left shot, uh, left side defenseman. So we got him, and and nobody's ever happy when when we actually get somebody because it, it's not who they wanted to get. But uh, I think the money's okay. I think. The money would have been a little higher if the if the years were a little less. If he was three years, I think he would be looking at in full full million range. But you know, five year deal. I, I really don't. I, I don't hate it, but you know, there's obviously moves that could have been made uh, elsewhere on free agency. But um, what do you guys think? Call you go because I don't want to tell you this one last. Okay. Um, cap hit is fine. Uh, the defenseman is big. Um, he can move the puck, and I think he's actually going to have probably one of his best years playing in Boston. Um, but I, I still want to see what they're doing back there because when I do the math, I count too many of them, right? So yeah. um, we'll see what happens. I, I, I did a little bit of research, but I haven't really watched them play. So as I've said before, I've seen Halak and other teams, but Tom Moore I haven't really got to see a lot of, so I can't really make a 
you know, an opinion on his hockey style until I actually watch the guy play. Uh, I'm going to say this is an amazing deal for the Bruins. Uh, I've watched John Moore play a lot. Um, New Jersey is one of the teams that I will watch when the Bruins aren't playing. I, he played top four minutes for the past, what, two seasons, maybe three. Um, people say that his analytics part of his game sucks. I don't think that transitions to new teams, to be fair. Um, depends who you've been playing with. But I, I just think you've got a guy there who has a big body, is good in his own end. Uh, maybe he doesn't block so many shots, but you pair him with a guy like McQuaid and you're good. Um, but he can move the puck, he can shoot the puck. The guy's called Mr. Overtime in New Jersey for a reason because he either sets up the game winner or he scores it. So, I mean, you've just got a weapon for your three-on-three in overtime. Um, And they needed a defenseman like this. They needed it for a while. So I think for the same price as McQuaid, but for five years, uh, I think that shows the Bruins want to keep hold of him. It gives a bit of a stability there. You get a guy who can stay for five years and play. So... I just think that is the best signing they made in the offseason. And, and and the other thing to think about too is is if it if it's not working out, I don't think that he's got anything that's over his uh contract that he can't be moved if if you know things aren't gelling correctly. Uh so he could be a trade chip. I mean at, at twenty seven he's still young enough to be to be uh an attractive asset to another team. So, you know, there's there's ways of of uh, getting out of it if it's not working out, but I I, I, I feel solid in the, in the decision that they've made, and I'm I, like I said, I don't hate it. And New Jersey is taking back in a heartbeat in a trade, oh. uh, especially at that cap price. I'm sure. So yeah, um, if it's not working out, just sending the trade back. Right. Uh, moving on to uh, the Bruins signing 26 year old forward, and I I'm gonna hack this. Is, is it Yoakum? Yoakum Nordstrom. Joaquin. Joaquin. That's why we have you here, buddy. Uh, He signs a two-year NHL contract with an annual cap hit of $1 million. Uh, Played 75 games last season with Carolina. Posted two goals and five assists. Uh, Won a Stanley Cup with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. And he is a 6'1", 189-pound forward. Um, for, For me, this is pretty much a replacement for the loss of Tim Schaller. Um... I, I would have liked to. I'm not. I'm not saying I hate the player uh, and and what Don Sweeney and scouting team have seen in him, but I just think from a player that I've seen a lot of, especially last season, uh, in the in the minor pro levels of the Bruins uh, affiliates, uh, I think that Ryan Fitzgerald would have been a little better option. Uh, after his year with Providence last season, and and under a million dollars that he would he would have on his uh, entry level deal, but it, it is what it is. These guys obviously see something. Maybe maybe they think that Ryan needs another year in the NHL. I, I think Ryan's going to get his chance sometime this season with a call up to show what he's got. So uh, it's not a bad not a bad deal, in my opinion. Uh, I think. This and the next guy you're probably going to talk about. Um, I think these are really good signings. The skating game of Nordstrom is 
where he's just amazing. Um, you put him on a penalty kill, he'll probably put up a few shorthanded points a season. Uh, I think you can trust him on the penalty kill as well. I'm pretty sure he's taken face-offs in the penalty kill. So you can probably stick him at centre on a penalty kill line. Uh, I, I just think it's a good depth signing. I think the two guys that they signed like that can just play half a season each. Uh, or if it works out with them, they find their way into the lineup. Uh, and I, I just think they got a utility player, and that's what they needed more of because they need to give guys like Bergeron never on a rest on the penalty kill when they need it. I, I think he's a great skater as well. Um, and it was all about the skating. As much as I was disappointed Shallow left, um, I, liked, I liked his game. But it was obvious in the playoffs against Tampa that uh, speed was hurting us. As much as the team is fast, and I think this, the, the team that was on the ice is probably one of the fastest Bruins teams in, geez, I don't even know how many years, just a lot of years. Right. Um, Tampa beat us to the pucks a lot. Everybody's like, they out-hit us. Well, no, it's just they got to the puck first, and then they pushed the body around. I really think they outskated us. Just like when we lost to Ottawa the year before. Yep. Outskated us. They outskated the Toronto Maple Leafs. They, they helped. They, they, they forgot how to play hockey for two games, but uh, other than that, they outskated the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, they just got outskated against Tampa, and they needed some skating. It's what it is. It's, it's like I'll always say, this is a business. And when we start complaining about fourth line guys leaving the team, we gotta we're 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 thinking with our heart and not thinking with our heads. Exactly. And Chala signed for like what was it? Nearly two million, one point nine, I think it was. And good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely got the right deal because he de- he certainly wasn't going to get that amount of money, or maybe term in Boston. So, like if you if we look back at yes, the the Rick Nash trade was a bad one. We lost we lost a draft pick. Ended up being a bad one. That's the gamble. Um, Wingles, bad trade. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but unless they're trading away Pasta or or Bergeron or or Marchand or key pieces, yeah, it, it's not going to make a difference that much. Keep the freak out to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, take your hand off the panic button. Yeah, exactly. Or the game controller in your 2018 GM, GM mode. GM mode. <laughs> yeah. uh, moving on to. Um, what Rob is talking about in this next player, uh, the Bruins signed 27-year-old Walpole Mass native uh, Chris Wagner to a two-year NHL contract with an annual cap hit of $1.25 million. Played uh, 79 games, splitting time with the Ducks and the New York Islanders last season, posting seven goals and nine assists. Uh, he is 6'0", 198 pounds. I, I do have to say I was kind of... Um, like what's going on? What angle are they playing with this? Kind of playing my own little GM uh, mode in my head. But after seeing video, this guy brings it. I think this guy brings a little more of it than Tim Schaller would. Um, and, and he hits. This guy's got speed. Uh, he creates havoc on the penalty. I mean, I'm sorry on the um on the forecheck when needed. Um, he definitely got some wheels and, and like I said, he could plaster people against the boards. I mean, uh, his tenacity on, and, and going into the corner and making, making other players, um, punish 
basically truculence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To take a word from Brian Burke, truculence. There you go. Uh, did you have the tie on or off for that comment court? hundred uh, percent shorts and a t-shirt. Nice. <laughs> I, I, do you remember Berkey with the with the tie? Yeah. Oh, that was so funny. He, he was, I still get a kick out of him on. Uh, is it TSN? Yeah, he's. Uh, well, no, he's on Sportsnet now. That's what I, I meant. Believe. I believe. Sorry. I, or, I can't remember. He was doing the draft, so that was TSN. Sorry. Yeah. It's TSN. Yeah, he's good. Uh, but he's a local kid, so obviously got the ties uh, to the Bruins in New England, so that's good for him. Uh, he, and he's a big Bruins fan, so even better. Um, so a dream come true for this young guy, uh, and I hope he, I hope he, he, he's ready for it because if he doesn't bring it, you know, this fan base will, will let everybody know. The, the greatest thing to ever happen to Noah Hannafin was not being traded to the Boston Bruins. <laughs> exactly. Because people would have vilified this kid because he's going to go to Calgary and be a nobody. Yeah, I mean, look what happened to Jimmy Hayes, and look what happened to, you know, all these players that they think that they they need to come home and play, but they, they it's just that added pressure of like, of being the hometown kid, and if it doesn't work, the media just attacks you. Jimmy Vesey, oh my yeah, god, exactly. So lucky he didn't sign here, and cool. it, and it just still brings me back to what I was saying when we were talking about this last year, and and the VC, the whole VC thing, or maybe even two years ago, that maybe it was Jimmy Hayes that said to, I really don't think you should sign in Boston, so take your chances elsewhere because, you know, because he was getting hammered, you know, so it's, I mean, basically the experience that he took. Probably passed it on down to him and just kind of, you know, and, and his family too, so. Has no one seen the whole, um, like, rumors about Kevin Hayes getting traded to the Bruins? I oh, God. S- Anytime the guys from a hometown guy is being rumored to the Bruins. I know. It's yeah, crazy. But, but Kevin Hayes, the brother of Jimmy, I think he would, like, retire from the NHL if he heard they'd been traded to the Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't like, he I the reason? I don't think he'd want to come. That VZ went to the Rangers because they're like best friends or whatever. Yeah, yeah they're cousins they and they live together. Cousins. Mm. Yeah, they trained when they were younger together at the same place. So. Like it's it's nothing. It's just the way it's, Toronto does the same thing. Like Tavares has give Tavares five by five bad games in a row and they're gonna vilify him out here. I was hoping though with the Chris Wagner signing, uh, you know when Tavares signed and they put the picture up of him with the Toronto Maple Leafs bed sheets. <laughs> I was hoping like Wagner would go into his bedroom and take a picture with his bed sheets. Yeah. Like get some Bruins bed sheets and just take a picture with them. Because uh, that guy that guy is like Boston hockey type player. Like if you think about the big bad Bruins, that guy must have like really loved them when he was growing up because he plays his game exactly like Yeah. Um, the challenge it all right. Watch the videos of last season, though, with Chris Wagner. It, like, after he got traded, it got even worse. He looked like a man possessed. Right. Like, just wanted to hurt people. Well, not hurt people, but just wanted to truck him. Like, absolutely crush him. Uh, and it's fun to watch. And everyone's been calling out for a guy like that. Uh, well, you got him. And a lot of you complained about him. So, <laughs> But I think... Him and Nordstrom skating games just fill up that bottom six perfectly, and that's what they needed—a bit of speed down there. Um, this court. Did you have anything to say about Wagner at all? 
Uh, once again, I, I just haven't seen enough of them. It sounds terrible, but these guys, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, when, when they got signed, I'm like, who? I didn't know much about him. I've watched, there's a YouTube clip of Wagner. Mm-hmm. He looks really fast, and he looks like he can throw the body around. He he looks like the type of player that I'm really going to like, so, you know. Did let's... you see that, it was that video, that short-handed goal from last yes. season? Yeah. Oh, where yeah. Where he just skates straight through two guys and just buries it. Yeah, yeah five-hole, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of them really weird ones where a lot of guys with a lot of speed um, can't handle the puck at speed. They can skate and they can do all that, but if you look at that goal, like he knows what he's doing. He kind of like does a little fake shot, waits till the five all opens, and just like passes it through the pads. Didn't even shoot it. Like beautiful. I, I watch a lot of hockey at home, but uh, the three teams these guys came from, you've got New Jersey. It's like last on my list of a team I want to watch play. Unfortunately, as much as like Taylor Hall's a great hockey player, and then Anaheim, I'm not staying up till 10:30 with yeah, right. the way I I sleep nowadays. <laughs> so it's like in Carolina. Seriously, who watches Carolina? The fans don't even watch Carolina. I only know. <laughs> I don't even think the owners watch them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw like, Nordstrom play a lot when he was playing in Chicago. Yeah. So, um, well, not a lot because he didn't play every night, but I saw him play and realized how fast he was. But that's kind of how you get to know the names because of how quickly they skate. It's so. it's like when they signed Schaller. I didn't know who he was, and I loved him. So you know what? Well, Let we'll see what happens. Time will tell. Uh, I mean, when you go just real quick, um, a little prediction. I, I could definitely see uh, a, a player like Wagner with the supporting cast around him um, getting uh, 10, 20, 30 points. You know, ten goals, twenty assists uh, this upcoming season. So. Who knows? Maybe even more. But and as I said before, just because they were signed doesn't mean they're going to play. Exactly. Sweeney has no problem putting a guy down to the AHL. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, these kids are good enough. If Fitzgerald's good enough, or you know, or it's looking like uh, Jake Stidnika, possibly is the one they talk about a lot lately. If these kids are good enough, they're going to play. Absolutely. And speaking of the AHL level, uh, these next two signings are probably going to be uh, Providence depth. Uh, but they signed 28-year-old defenseman Cody Gulabeth. Um Probably hacked that pretty bad. Goldbluth. Gold there you go. You're awesome. Uh, to a one-year stay, Rob the linguistics. Right. Well. Uh, to a two-way, one-year two-way contract uh, with an NHL cap hit of 650,000. Played with the Calgary Flames American Hockey League affiliate with the Stockton Heat. Recorded eight goals and 12 assists last season. Like I said, most likely headed into Providence. Depth signing, in my opinion, and he's 6'1", 201 pounds. Uh, probably a good um, fill-in for the departed Tommy Cross. Um, yeah, and he's got some a little bit of um, um, offensive abilities coming from there. Were you the heartbroken, Rob? Right-handed shot as well. Mark, Mark, were you heartbroken when Tommy Cross left? I was not. And oh. best, best of luck to him uh, in Columbus. I think he's going to have a better opportunity. Um, I just, uh, you know, I wasn't, re- a fan. I wasn't a fan at all. I really wasn't. And I didn't like the, the, the player love that he was getting all the time, uh, with these signings. Um, and he just didn't really crack the NHL. And I just think that he could have had a better opportunity years ago elsewhere. I think that, but you know, maybe he wanted to stick around and he didn't care what role that is. It's totally up to him, but I just didn't. I didn't see where he fit. Um, 
And, you know, hopefully he does. He gets more than the games that he saw in Boston and Columbus. That's a very good possibility. But then again, he could be um, heading back to the AHL. So um, the other one, uh, and I'm just going to go through these two because I know you guys don't know much about him unless, unless you know a lot about Cody, uh, Rob. Uh, it's just a right-handed shot, defensive defenseman, kind of like Adam McQuaid's block shots. Um, got a hard, like, slap shot. I just think he's going to be, like, a top-pairing guy in Providence, probably. And the, the next one is 25-year-old forward, Mark McNeil. Uh, they signed him to a one-year, two-way contract uh, worth an NHL cap hit of 650000 Spent last season in the AHL with the Milwaukee Admirals and Texas Stars, recording 14 goals and 11 assists. Another player likely heading to Providence. Um, he's 6'2", 214, so he's got some size. He's going to throw his body around. Isn't he a Stanley Cup champion? I'm not I'm sh- sure he was on the Chicago Blackhawks when they won, wasn't he? I'm not sure about that. I didn't put it in my show notes. I thought he was a scratch player for them. I'm pretty very sure I played the fourth line for them that season, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, yeah, I, McNeil's an okay signing. They probably give whoever doesn't get a job in Boston the first line, but he probably plays the second line or plays the wing on the first line. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think he's just a depth guy, so you don't have to trade for a guy like Wingles at the deadline. And finally, the the last of the uh, the moves uh, signings um, on July one, uh, the Bruins signed eighteen year old defenseman Axel Anderson to a three year entry level contract with an a- annual NHL cap hit of eight hundred twenty five thousand. Anderson was selected in the second round of the two thousand eighteen NHL draft from Dallas, Texas. He recorded six goals, twenty five assists last season in his Swedish J twenty Super Elite League. He is 6'0", 181 pounds. This was a great signing. Um, they were very, very impressed with him at, at training camp. I mean, I'm sorry, at Bruins Development Camp when I went. Um, a lot of people were raving about him. And, and to have him sign um, less than a week after uh, of that camp uh, showed that they are really interested in getting his development into the pro level uh, in North America. Um uh, <sighs> excelled a little bit more so um uh, he has a contract clause though for going back to europe yes yes i believe so i'm not sure if it's a slide though he's allowed to but right whether he makes it in providence there are hints that that he will probably most likely go back to europe but there's also hints that he could play in the ahl and there's also another hint that he could be going to the Canadian Juniors, where he was uh, selected in the um, uh, the import draft. So I'm not sure exactly what team that was, but um, yeah. So that's it for signings. Uh, uh, Sean Corrali, he signed, which is a, I think was a great great deal. I love the kid's passion. I love his uh, grit and tenacity. Um, and, and uh, Anton Bleed also signed uh, a t- uh, one-year, two-way deal. So another player that's probably going to be in Providence for a majority of the year, but can be that guy that uh, can come up and uh, fill in if injuries happen. So 
that's all I got for the signings and so on. Um, I, I might have missed something, and I apologize if I did. We're not perfect, but so getting out of that, let's just go right into my Anton Hudobin news because um, I know this is this is what people have been waiting for for a, a while, and I've said it a couple times, but. The love for Anton Hudobin is, is a personal thing. You guys can love him, hate him. You can do whatever you want. I'm talking to the listeners. I know pretty much you guys' uh, opinions. But to me, uh, what I found out at development camp, because I had the opportunity to represent the blackandgoldhockey.com website um, as a, a media member with special access. Um, and it was a great experience. I want to thank the Boston Bruins organization, as particularly the PR staff, um, uh, Travis and um, and Sarah, those guys were uh, top notch, and uh, and and the media members um, like names like Matt Kalman, Emily Benjamin, um, a representative from the Globe, Steve Conroy from the Herald. Um, it, it's just a great experience. But what I heard in that press box, and I'm not going to say from who, but the rumor was going around, and it was it was several conversations happening about it was that Anton Hudobin did not come into camp the, the season before. When he signed his two-year deal to come back to the organization, he was vastly overweight and needed special attention from, a, from some specialist to get him trimmed down. Now, this makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I didn't know this news back then when Anton was playing in, in his terrible first year. But it makes sense when he got his first win in February and then really started to play better when, when, when Bruce Cassidy became the, uh, the coach on the interim level. I think right around that time, he got his weight down and he started to play better. But what I heard was that was a huge slap in the face to the Bruins. You sign a contract, you are to be professional on and off the ice. Now... I'm not saying I absolutely hate Hudobin for what he did. People make mistakes. I make mistakes all the freaking time. But the love for the guy, and I get the Instagram post and he was sad and everybody said, you know, blah, blah, blah. But these are the things you don't know that's behind closed doors that are actually happening. So that's the information I got. I was a little disappointed in what I heard about it. Uh, when you come to Boston, and, and, and like I said, nobody's perfect, but you got to act a little more professional. I know he was well-liked in the room, and him and Tuka Rask got along really good, but you know how much crap Rask would take if he was 25 pounds overweight and he came into camp? He's not going to be very well-liked uh, in, in, in a town that pretty much doesn't like him anyway. So, let's, let's just say some of the yeah, some of the fans. I know, I know. Are... The unrealistic types. But that's that, that's just the news that I that I gathered, and I was just kind of shocked about that, you know. And when it comes from a professional level, I expect that from you know a high school kid and so on. But you know, best of luck to him in Dallas. They, you know, what can you do? He's a, he's an older he's an older player that the Bruins pretty much after year one of his two year entry of his two year contract, they were done with him. Then it wasn't like. A decision that came right down to a free agency. I think this decision and and what was said in, in the press box was this decision was at least a year in the making. So, um, moving on from that, possible trade targets. Now, 
we've heard the rumors about Panarin and this god-awful rumor about Lucic back to Boston and Leon Dreisaitl for for um, uh, Tory Krug and, and other assets. I just, the Luchits of Boston and the dry sidle thing, I'm just not overly sure about. I mean, that's just rumors that people are just throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing if it sticks. But the Panarin one interests me, though, because it does address the need that the Bruins do need. I mean, they need a sniper. They need a goal scorer. They need a guy that um, progressively gets better year by year, and that's what he's doing. His two years in Chicago, he got better points-wise. And then even last season... Uh, in his first year with the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, he he amassed a, a, a career high point. So, what was Chicago thinking? I know. Well, well that's a cap team court. You know what I mean? It's, 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 his contract's not till this end of the next season, right? I, yeah. I yeah. just to me, I'm just so dumbfounded by that whole thing. Like, because they good on sad, but no, Jonathan Tate wanted back. his boyfriend back. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> come on. Just because he wanted his best friend back on the team. You trade yeah, one of your best players. He's more player. of a defensive winger, and they were they were getting scored on too much, and they won. And then they didn't make the playoffs. That yeah, worked exactly. out for them, right? Yeah. But... Anyway, sorry. It's just it's just every time we talk about this guy's name, I'm like, what the hell was Chicago thinking? It's almost as bad as Boston trading Sagan. Well, when you when you lock up ten million dollars and two players and a quarter of your cap, cap casualties are going to happen like that. Ten million? You mean eleven per? Oh, I'm sorry. It's eleven per. All right. So that's a, that's a, qu- a quarter of your cap, even though the cap's going up a couple million dollars. They're still and, struggling. They're still going to have to probably make moves. And then you've the got good news is, on like eight. And then the good news is we have a team in the Atlantic Division that's about to do it too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll definitely touch on that because that <laughs> is uh, is stirring the uh, the hater pot. I, I, I don't understand why everybody, once a name comes up that, that you know, it's, an organization wants to move, like Bruins fans just jump on it. Let's do it. Let's get this guy. I just think you're going to be paying way too much for Eric Carlson. And I'm not discrediting him and his ability to play the game. Solid defenseman all around, offensively too. Uh, getting older. Um, but it, I just, and I know everybody, what I don't understand is, is like everybody not everybody, but certain group of Bruins fans absolutely tore this team apart last year for not making any moves. I was probably one of them. I'll admit it. But by not making any moves and getting Postma and all these guys that didn't really do anything, they didn't do much, which means that turned into a 112-point season. You were one of the best teams in the NHL, and you went on a tear from November to the end of the year as one of the best teams in the league. Why the rush to get all these players? I mean, is it the new shiny toy that we need and this and that? What what does it really address is my question. Well, P- Panarin addresses a lot. I, I don't know if you agree, Rob. I think Panarin would be nice. But I just wanted to give some inside track. I read an article from Aaron. Um, hold Port- on. Portsline. name. Portsline from right. uh, The Athletic, who did an interview with Panarin's agent. Panarin has not asked for a trade. He has not presented the team with any list whatsoever. The article was uh, posted today on theathletic.com. And Yurho Kakalai, the the GM of Columbus, he's meeting with Panarin over the offseason and sees 
Panarin starting the starting the year with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Never admitted to exploring any trades. People are just putting two and two together if you look at the situation because the only thing Panarin has said is he's not willing to discuss a contract extension. That's it. Hasn't said he wants to live by the water. All this stuff. According to this article, that's that's all just been falsified. So we'll see. I would love to have him though. As long as it's McAvoy, not McAvoy, or anybody on the top line, make the deal. Right. I think it addresses the need that they're going after, which is the whole like let's have good skating and we'll teach the skills from that. Because it's harder to teach skating than it is to teach anything else. So I think it addresses that and he has all the skill set that is needed for the defensive side of things. But you haven't got Claude Julien there anymore, so that doesn't matter. Um, but at the same time, it's going to cost you the house. Like, you're going to have to pay the piper to get a guy like that. Um, and I just get scared when they talk about trading for guys like this because it's just so much. You see it every time. Like, either a team overpays or they still pay a lot and people call it a steal. So, I, I don't know. I, I just think, like, I've always said, why not go out to the KHL and do a bit of, like, digging yourself? Because what did Panarin sign on? An entry-level contract. Yeah, he came from the K, right? Yeah. And he signed on a nine-two-five, three-year deal with and also- sign-in bonuses. Like, why not go and do that with someone else and see if you strike gold like they did? And it also seems that every single rumor out there has the 60-point man, Tory Crew going back the other way. But if you look at Carolina or Columbus, what in God's green earth would they want with Tory Crew when they already have their own version? Yeah. yeah. And and also, I, also this angle, like who wants to waive a possible no-trade clause to go to Ottawa? When you when you when you consider in uh, a, um, a Carlson trade, I certainly wouldn't want to you know jump into that dumpster fire up there. That's that's just crazy talk. There's that's beyond. But but even I want from Ottawa, and I said this the don't. other day in the chat, and I got buried for it. But I would take Bob, Bobby Ryan on half of his. Oh uh, yeah, I'll bury you on that one. Sorry, <laughs> I love you, buddy. Talk about the biggest country. dumpster fire in the league. He's the dumpster fire beyond dumpster fire. I don't know. I got to give, I got to give Rob a little bit of credit, though. I mean, we, we all pretty much Stuck hated. It. We all pretty much hated uh, Brett Conley, and and look what he turned out to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and, still and hated Brett Conley because yeah. I said that was a good sign. Yeah, you did. His teammates do. You see Knutson on the bench. That was the best video I've ever seen. What the little he, fist bump thing? Yeah, when when Conley, because Conley's you know invisible. His cap it's worth that. <laughs> like he's just so serious because that's obviously just a goof so that was the best hey, video at hey, the NHL only, I, I have no problem certain players play better on certain teams I, I'll, I'll say it over and over again I, I always find it astonishing when a player who's hasn't played well like in his first three years in the league goes to a new team and lights it up and wants to go get a new deal somewhere else and then poops the bed again it's like Come on, man. Like, you're playing well in that system. You're playing well with those teammates. Just play there. Don't you enjoy playing good hockey? Like, look at Jonathan Chichu. Like, there's a lot of, like, come on now. Like, my favorite thing right now with all these Leafs fans, uh, you know what? you got to sign Marner, Matthews, 
and Nylander next year. And when Dubas said what he said just recently, that he's going to get this all done, yeah, you watch you get that done when you have Marner on the same line as Tavares, and he's going to score 30-plus goals. If I'm Marner, I'm asking for 9 mil next year. Yeah, and if, if I'm he, Athens, I'm asking for 11 to 12 mil. Yeah, if Marner scores the most points in the Leafs, being on Tavares' wing, yeah, good luck signing that guy. Yeah, <laughs> is, what's his name in the Islanders? What, Anders Lee? Can get all the points yeah. he did. Marner's gonna light it up on oh, that yeah. line. Uh, fun signing those guys. So uh, continue the talks about trades, but now let's let's talk about trades that are happening, potentially happening in the Atlantic Division. Uh, strong rumor is that Carlson might be heading to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, has he just been like totally squashed now? I has it. Well, or, or, they're, trying if, to, they're trying to. If Elliot make, Freeman or Darren Dreger or those guys don't say it's happening, yeah, it ain't happening. And well, when I, they say like we don't hear anything anymore and it's crickets, to right. me that means. It's, and supposedly the new thing is Dallas has really stepped it up. Yeah, and it's all in Dallas's court now to make this deal. Used to be Tampa's, now it's back to Dallas. So right, yeah. they're falling. Um, we'll see. But from what it, I heard, it was Dallas. Uh, getting asked for Heskinen, which is basically like asking for uh, Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, and they're saying no, and that's all that's happening. But apparently, the whole thing with Tampa was they were trying to get a deal sorted with New York Rangers to take on a couple of bad contracts to facilitate the trade. Yeah, because Tampa and, can't make this deal. Yeah, and then New York turned around and went, uh, no. Right. And, yeah, uh, why would any team help Tampa? Yeah, yeah. but then New York uh, said they were retooling, not rebuilding. <laughs> so why why make a team better in your division just for like the next two seasons? Like it's I, just pointless. It it's absolutely pointless. I, I don't still think, think he might go to, to I don't think he's going to Tampa. I I, I, I he wants to. The, the rumor is, what they said on uh, Sirius XM, uh, the NHL Network, he wants to go to Tampa. But that's a rumor. That's what everybody's saying. I still think it's going to be like Vegas or somebody like that because if you're the Ottawa Senators, you got to do what's best for you, not what's best for Eric Carlson. Right. I think he goes to the Canadians. Rob's hot take. Yeah, no, you can follow him at Rob. No, but I think it's always, I you think see that guy will... on Twitter saying that Brett Seabrook was a better defenseman than Eric Carlson. I oh. think I'm myself. <laughs> I think he will end up somewhere weird. And yeah, hopefully. Like, I, I was saying the other day, can you imagine if he ends up in somewhere like Vancouver? Yeah. Because Vancouver have all the assets to trade for a guy like that, and they're so quiet. Like no one ever talks about Vancouver making this big trade. And I can just see them coming out of nowhere and being like, you know what? Like, if you trade Eric Carlson for a guy like, um, oh, what's the defenseman called? Chris Tanev? Yeah. Like, everyone was out for Chris Tanev like a year ago. Um, And they have the pieces, the young guys, everything. And if they get a guy like that, then they're kind of deadly. So, it might happen. Yeah, like, we'll see what happens, but... And you heard Vancouver here first, if that does happen, because I deserve like a job at the NHL. Because <laughs> it's just like if if he was going to Tampa, don't you think it would have happened already? Like yeah. I understand yeah. he was at Mark Mathot's wedding and all that, but if the pieces were aligned and it was so close, like everybody's saying, and 
His contract was pretty much worked out. Why isn't he there? The biggest reason why I brought that up and is is it immediately brought the freaks and they freaked out about it because they were. They, I mean, the pitchforks were outside um, of 100 Causeway Street when they heard it. Like Sweeney's an idiot. What's this guy doing? Fire him. Everybody else in the Atlanta division is getting better, and you're just sitting pat. I just don't think that there's a real necessary need to like blow it up. I mean, let's let's sit back and and just relax and see if we can get some consistency. You know, if you put up another 112 point season and the year that you had last season, I don't want anything to happen to this roster. You stick with what is is hot and what's good. I know that everybody concentrates on the freaking playoffs and, and making that next step. Well, to get to the playoffs, you have 82 games in front of that that you still have to work hard about. So, for me, a playoff appearance every year is just as good. Uh, I'm probably going to get killed on this as winning a Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, 100%. You just stop speaking. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I know, kidding. but, you know, I mean... Do, if you're not in the playoffs, the, 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 those two years that the, this Bruins team didn't make it, it was terrible. I was losing my mind. I understand how it feels. But after a freaking season like that, and everybody wants to hit the panic button, I, I'm just sitting there they're like, you know, you're not worried? No, I'm not. I mean, just let it play out. Let's see what happens. Vegas Golden Knights. I know. we have to say. Like, come on now, Surprise. Surprise. And then it's like all the – here in, here in Toronto Lander – almost la-la land right now. They all just keep thinking the parade started. You know what? Does Tavares make them better? 100%. Should Bruins fans be worried? Not worried, but the Leafs are going to be better. 100%. But they also lost JVR. They also lost Bozak. Um, it's, 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 come on. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get the, the scared. They shouldn't have a panic button. Should not have one. This Bruins the team least. is a good hockey club. The Leafs have lost about six of the top nine. No, like six players in total. Uh, they've lost Matt Martin. Who was yeah, he's not a player. Not a player. Not a player. Uh, he's the guy that plays the, on that team. I remember when people uh, were calling that a genius trade, though. That was stupid. Um, but they, they lost a guy like Leo Komarov. Um, <laughs> they lost... JVR, they lost Balzac. I mean, that's a lot to lose. And what did they bring in? Like, but Tavares. Let, let, let these, well, he's a generational hockey player. But still, let these guys play first. Let, let's see what happens. Yeah. Because many is, of the always... New York Rangers used to always buy the, the, the big, big shiny, to, the big shiny uh, toy every year. And every year they fall flat on their face. But I'd rather have, like, four guys who can play roles... Well, like, I'd rather have six guys that can play roles like the Bruins have brought in than one guy who's going to put you in cap hell for the rest of the, like, ten years that they're there. Yeah. I mean, I'd just rather have the depth because when it comes to the playoffs, it's a team game. Yeah. I mean, individuals can do stuff during the regular season, but during the playoffs, you never see one guy just put a team on his back and drag them. Like you look at it, you look at it last season. I mean, Nathan McKinnon for the Avalanche basically got them to the playoffs. But then, what what did he do after that? Well, you get Colorado. Anyways, 
Well, no, they got to like the edge of the playoffs, didn't they? Yeah. Taylor Hall got the New Jersey Devils to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and then what did they do then? It's fine. There are players that have carried their team in the playoffs, but yeah, yeah, but... it is a team game, especially the new NHL. I'll say it over and over again. It's lines. Like, think about the teams at the Las Vegas. We all, all three of us, I guarantee you, we all thought, I remember looking at the thing, we all thought Vegas was going to lose to L.A. in the first round. Yep. Yeah. L.A. is, you know, an amazing hockey club. They look at all that team. Look at all those players. They lost to Vegas yeah. in the first round. Then they played San Jose. We're like, all right, I'm not getting by San Jose. <laughs> yep. Beat San Jose. Um, we are approaching the the hour mark of our show, so I just want to touch on two quick topics before we end. Uh, the log jam on defense. Uh, what what do you guys think has to be done? Well, I, I just think they can carry eight demons into the season. I mean, they lost out on guys late last season. Why not carry eight? Carry eight and one additional forward, which would be a guy like Wagner or Nordstrom, I, I'm guessing. I, McQua- I don't mind that. McQuaid can eat popcorn for all I care. Right. Yeah, it, it's I, going to be McQuaid. I, I'm in the I'd rather not trade crew club, but if it's a hockey trade, I'm in. If it makes the team, as I've just said to you a million times, Mark, if it makes the team better, do the deal. Yep. Deal yep. with the consequences later. And if Adam Larson gets you Taylor Hall, then Tori <laughs> gets you. Yeah, yeah but, but look, oh, who the, look so who the mastermind behind that was. Well, yeah. Well, and also, I'll say time, this now. I never got go to say Go out it. and find that dumbass and say to them, oh, look, Tori Krug, give us a Vetchkin. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, why not go back, go to Chirelli and be like, oh, you like Tori Krug. Here you go. Give us Conor McDavid. Thanks. I never got to say when you spoke about it. If any, if if he trades, if Sweeney trades for Milan Lucic, he should be fired. Yeah, exactly. That guy is a dumpster fire waiting to happen. Yep. He did a lot of great things for this franchise. Do you know what? That was a long time ago. I don't even care if Edmonton retains three million of his six million cap hit. I don't well, want I, him on he, this team. They'd have to retain a hundred percent of the salary. Yeah, and he They don't have need on the left hand side. And no. Lucic can't play his off wing, so I don't think there's any chance that Lucic comes. And Lucic isn't fast enough to be on our fourth line. Yeah. He's not even fast yeah. enough to be on Conor McDavid's line. Nope. Why do you think he would be welcomed here on on a team that's seemingly transitioning to the to the speed of the game more and more each season, while while veterans are getting weeded out, you know, because they had great careers, but. I just don't see the, the, the mix. Um, the, the very last uh, topic we have on this program, and thank you very much, every, everybody that's been um, that, uh, listening. Uh, who's the biggest rivalry in 2018-19? Uh, for me, I know it's not Montreal anymore. I, I definitely have to gravitate to Toronto. Oh, I, I'm going to go last on this one. <laughs> I love it. Um, I... I think it's for for game. Uh, I still think it's Philly. Uh, Philly is like one of the best games I ever watch. Every time we play them, um, yeah, I'll go with Philly. So for the history, Bruins fans will hate the Habs till they're blue in the face. There's there's no reason not to. Um, you know, even for the years my dad played, I people always oh your dad won a cup. My dad's like 
I, my dad always turns to them and like, I, I played when Montreal won it every year. Like, <laughs> it's like only three teams won the cup, and my dad's 11 years in the NHL. Three separate teams. Right. So it is what it is. But the Toronto Maple Leafs are definitely – you've got to think about it. What The Toronto Maple Leafs fans right now hate Boston more than anything else in the world. And Boston Bruins fans, if you saw anything after this summer when Tavares just signed with them, they hate the Leafs. They hate the Leafs. Oh, yeah. We just beat them. Two games. We have two two game sevens to rub it in their nose now. Two. Mm. And th- what happened right before the playoffs? The Leafs beat us every game in the regular season. They've owned us in the regular season the last year. When you play the Montreal Canadiens, it felt, I will admit, last year, the first game when they beat Montreal in, in Montreal at the beginning of the season, it felt fantastic. But the games after that felt meaningless. Mm-hmm. But every time they played the Leafs, oof, it was animosity. And in Tampa is more of a, a next year against Tampa, there's going to be some uh, feistiness. I can just I just see it. I can guarantee you there will be more hate in social media when the Bruins are playing the Leafs and the Lightning next year than when they're playing the Habs. It's going to be more of making fun of the Habs. Yep. No hate. So right now, Bruins fans hate the Leafs and Tampa more than they hate the Montreal Canadiens. It's just, my, it's just the way I feel. And trust me, Leaf fans hate Bruins fans right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hate. <laughs> well, boys. Um, Can we also just quickly say one thing? Go for it. The Bruins signed a Russian from the KHL in the draft. They did. Like, they did. His, his name is Pavel Shen. Um, I met him at development camp. Uh, very nice kid. I didn't understand a damn word he said. But I, I did manage to say hello and shake his hand. I'm sure he said the same about you. Uh, he, I think he did. I think he did. I mean, <laughs> it was it was it was tough enough to understand uh, Daniel Bukash um, talk in in the interview, and um, but uh, even Dan, Dan Vladar. Let me tell you, that kid is so funny. He cracks me up. I mean, he was so willing to talk to me. Shook my hand. Uh, you guys saw the pictures, right? Yeah, I mean, he's such a nice guy, and uh, I talked to Kyle Kieser and Jeremy Swayman also, so I, I, I talked to a bunch of guys. I even tell... Goaltender bias. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I fumbled the uh, Cedric Pyre interview. I'll admit it now. I uh, I went over you to him. You, you yeah, I did. I went over to him. I, I just got done uh, interviewing Bukash, and um, I go over, and I'm like, Cedric, do you mind if I get an interview? He's like, absolutely not. Very nice, shook my hand. And I started, and I said, well, I'm, uh, I'm here at 2018 uh, Bruins uh, Development Camp, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm talking to uh, Daniel Bukash, and, he, and, and Cedric leans back, and he points up at his locker where it says oh. his name, and he goes, oh. that, that's my name. And very, <laughs> very thick Quebec accent, old French-Canadian accent, that's my name. And I was just like, oh, man, I fumbled, but... At least he didn't say Patrice Bergeron. I know, right? No, no it would have been way better if you did and just be like, sorry, Bergeron, right? Right. And then it would have like broke the ice and he would have just started laughing because I'm sure he's heard everybody say that he's the love child. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. He he took it. He, he was really cool about it afterwards. He goes, you know, he, he just says, you rookie? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Don't worry, he is too. Yeah, yeah I know. should have been like, me too, buddy. Big hug. <laughs> But no, it was it was it was good. But um, with that being said, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time 
uh, to uh, give uh, the listeners an update of what we thought about what has been happening in the the Bruins organization for the past couple of weeks. Um, We're going to continue our summer hiatus uh, unless something happens and and, uh, Court and Rob want to get on and and talk. Um, We'll probably do a, a show here and there, but... More or less, we're just going to uh, take the time, uh, recuperate, stretch the legs, and uh, ramp up to weekly programs uh, starting in September. So, uh, it's 88 days till the regular season. Exactly. Um, but please stay tuned. Uh, we, in the second hour, we have uh, everyone's prospect talk with myself and uh, Josh Bemis, who uh, is going to be joining us on a regular basis all summer next year to talk everything Bruins prospects from the AHL down to the, the European players um, that just recently drafted. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and thanks again for, for listening to our archive. Um, that it's just been amazing. 800 listens, and we haven't, we haven't done a show in two months. So uh, you guys are just amazing, and uh, we want to thank you for that. So thank you, Court. Thank you, Rob. Uh, we will talk, but uh, definitely continue to enjoy your summer and, and with your families, and uh, we'll be back together soon. Thank you very much, everybody. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Gets onto the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stanika, shorthanded breakaway, scores! Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece, and it's a 1 0 Oshawa lead. Now McLeod mishandles, and Donato tries to make a pay. Here's Donato. In deep, Ryan Donato pulls and scores! A highlight reel goal for Ryan Donato. In front, and that's Trent Frederick on the one-time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up 8-2. to Hey, Bruins fans, as promised in the, in the previous hour, uh, uh, when we talked with Court and, and Rob, uh, it's now time to, uh, to talk about the prospects in the prospect hour of our show. I'd like to welcome back um, AHL Bruins writer uh, Josh Bemis. He covers the team uh, on the desinbin.net website, a fantastic website for all your minor uh, pro hockey needs. You can also follow him at Two Causeway on the tweet machine. Mr. Bemis, Mr. Josh Bemis, how are you? Yeah, fantastic. How are you, Mark? I'm doing good. I just we just got like I said, just got done talking with the with the boys in the first hour about. The additions that the um, the Boston Bruins made uh, after the uh, July first um, free agent period went through, and uh, now I'm I'm really excited to talk about the prospects that that, that we saw uh, during the duration of development camp, uh, which was held phenomenal experience. Yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. It was, and let's just just dive right into that. Um, Josh and I, uh, we, we both write for two different affiliations. So, uh, I'm sorry, two different syndication websites. And uh, I write for the Black and Gold Hockey 
com website, as many of you know, and Josh, obviously, for the um, uh, the sinbin.net. But as we, well as my own blog. Yeah, as well as his own shippingupthecausway.com blog. Um, but we both were, were granted uh, access to cover the 2018 development camp from the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Massachusetts, uh, as press members. Um, we we don't have credentials, but we were we were we were graciously invited to to attend and uh, and cover. So uh, I I know I had an absolute blast. I know I mentioned it a couple of times in the previous hour, but um, I got to meet Josh in in person, and uh, you're a very insightful person when it comes to uh, hockey throughout the Bruins organization. And it was really cool to talk to you and, and bounce uh, some ideas off of um, when it comes to player evaluations uh, that we did from, from the, uh, the press box with the other um, major hitters in, in, um, in the, uh, in the Boston hockey media. So uh, I hate to say it, but I think I spent the whole first day just kind of starstruck. And then by day two, I settled down and I was like, okay, I got this. We yeah, can do this. Yeah. It's, you know, we got this. <laughs> I, I it was really, it was, it was almost overwhelming at first until it kind of, you know, you kind of settled in and you realized, okay, this is the way that the day goes and you take a deep breath and you know, you, you've made it, you know, you're here for a reason. So yeah, yeah, it was, you know, uh, be there and be present and do things like you, you're here. And for me, it was, um, of course, I got <laughs> every day I went, um, I was there very early. Uh, I, I traveled. Um, I live up near the New Hampshire border. So the studio is in Amesbury, Massachusetts. So I had to travel from Amesbury uh, via bus and then catch the Uber from South Station over to the Warrior. So I, I got into Boston at, at right around 8 o'clock, and the, and the arena doesn't open till 9. So I was pretty much scratching like uh, like a dog uh, trying to get into somebody's house. <laughs> that but, makes two of us because uh, yeah, I, hate, I hate traffic. So I would yeah. leave really early from Natick and travel all the way. Well, I mean, for me, honestly, traveling was either a case of hopping on the train or uh, taking I-90. And so it was, yeah. always, uh, it was always nice, kind of refreshing. Yeah, but when I got there, it was you know I, I, I set up the uh, the mobile office up in the press box, and yep. it, it, was, it was really cool. It was really cool because we each each uh, area that was designated for a press member uh, has uh, complete power access and USB. So, and uh, obviously the, the the free Wi-Fi was a was a bonus. So, but I got there early, set up, and and then people started coming in. The Joe Haggertys, the Jimmy Murphys, the Emily Benjamins, um, Matt Kalman. Um, and Steve Conroy, uh, one of my favorite writers at the Boston Herald, like I said uh, in the previous hour. But it was just like I was starstruck for about an hour, and we were there for a good five hours. So um, it was it was just let's get to work and and, and absorb on how to conduct yourself because uh, I'm new. I'm new to all of this. I mean, likewise, you know, it, conduct yourself in a professional atmosphere, and and I learned a lot from the from that. Uh, from that duration of camp and, and how to be that media member. Uh, so exactly like how to carry yourself and exactly you know, what's, what's acceptable and what's, you you're know, there, perhaps. You're, yeah. You're there to work. You're not there to be the super fan, you know? Yeah, we, exactly. I exactly. had like, we it's had, nice to get the, the, the fan experience as the fan inside me. And I think that's kind of what I spent the whole first day as I was there more, more or less as a fan, but then, 
you know, the next three days following the, that's when the, the, you know, here's where all of my, let's watch what each person's doing. Let's watch maybe some of their form. Let's see some, how some of these prospects are doing. What about the invites, etc. So yeah, exactly. It was a great experience. It was a good learning experience, like you were saying too, because you, where else do you have to practice stuff like this? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's just dive right into it because um, I got some, I got some food going on the grill, and I'm hungry. So <laughs> let's let's do this. Um, so the uh, the people invited to camp. Um, there were 11 invites. I, I thought that a lot of them were really good, but um, I don't want to concentrate a ton on that. But I do want to talk about the prospects uh, that are under Bruins property. Um, I was. I'm just gonna go down the list. Um, I was really impressed with Martin Bakos, 28 year old uh, forward that um, uh, came from the uh, European style of hockey over to development camp as an older player. Uh, I thought he did really well. Showed off some really good skills. Uh, good size. Um, you know, he's six two, 190, 190 something pounds. My screen is is uh, a little fuzzy, but. Um, <laughs> No, I thought he brought a, a different element, and, and like Don Sweeney, uh, I'm sorry that Jamie Langenberg has said um, in, in day one after camp that you know he's gonna, he's going to have to continue to work hard over the summer to to really challenge for a spot. But uh, I could I, really see him doing it though, because if you watched him, he was always involved in discussions with the coaches, with some of the players. He'd have kind of like a small gaggle of players around him, and he was a very good mentoring presence so i think that that's what they like about him is that maybe even if he's makes it to if, if he's down with the ahl bruins maybe that's not the worst thing in the world right maybe that's kind of where he should be to be that sort of mentor role maybe they didn't just bring him in for the, to say to fill a hole but maybe to fill a hole more in a leadership sense than anything else because uh, recently tommy cross got signed by the columbus blue jackets so Perhaps they're looking to fill Tommy Cross's skates in a different way, if you catch my drift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, going down the list, I, I was really impressed with Jack Becker this year. I thought he put a better showing at, at development camp uh, this year opposed to uh, previous years. Uh, and he's been kind of the, the, uh, the veteran um, being drafted uh, not long ago. Um, he's the last pick of one of the drafts recently. I think it was 2015. So... Uh, big kid, rangy uh, forward. Uh, missed out on a national championship last year. That was tough to, for him to talk about. But, um, you know, there's a lot of good signs uh, coming from him. And, and, and the Bruins do well when they draft late. What do you think of Becker? You know, I, I, I'll i be honest. I wasn't really watching him, but I did hear a lot of praise being heaped on him by not only um, – Jamie Langenbrunner, but you brought up Don Sweeney and that kind of final day of here's how everything went. It seemed like Don Sweeney was noticing Jack Becker. So maybe while I didn't get exactly the full view of him as I wasn't really looking for him as much, but from every indication, he definitely seems like he put on a much better showing. So it, Don Sweeney and Jamie Langenbrunner probably wouldn't lie. Right. And Becker had... Um... Had uh, 15 points in 33 games as a freshman at the University of Michigan. So, uh, and also coming out of the uh, the United States Hockey League, uh, Sioux Falls Stampede 
where he played for um, two seasons. So, uh, good things coming from him. Um, I expect him to be a, a better, a bigger role player uh, for the Wolverines uh, next season. Um, moving on to one of my the surprises for me was uh, Curtis Hall, and ah um, uh, yes, yeah, he was he was a, a pleasure pleasure to watch. Um, he was the uh, fourth round selection of this year's draft. Um, he's a big kid, 6'3", 201 pounds, pounds, 201 oh, yeah. pounds, and and he moves very well for a bigger a bigger forward, especially down in the uh, center position. Absolutely, uh, and I I mean I can drop a little knowledge on you. I was talking go to for a it. skating coach. Um, I just managed to find the hookup to put me in touch with his skating coach, and yeah, you can tell that that's up. Based on what the skating coach said, that's really what he's trying to been working on because he knows that he's got the size, but you're not going to do anything in the NHL level or the AHL level if you don't have the ability to move around with today's game because it's definitely moving in a speed direction. So while it's good that he has bulk and that he's got kind of the frame almost all set, he needs to continue to work on his speed and his agility and make sure that, that all of that frame is moving in tandem with his skating because uh, the game's just going to fly right by him if he's not careful. So it's good that his skating coach is on him as much as he is. Yeah, I thought I thought his, his skill set was just amazing, um, especially around the net, uh, goal line extended. I mean, he was just like roofing shots that – you didn't think had Rome to get by the puck to get by on, mm-hmm. on the three goaltenders that were at camp this year. Um, and he's got that speed. He's got great stride and, and it's fast. And, and when he gets rolling, uh, you, you look out cause he's a big kid coming at you. So, yep. Um, run you right over. And the fact that's kind of how he does put a lot of his dirty work is he just blows right through. He doesn't go around you. He doesn't go, you know, he doesn't fake you out. He just bowls you right over and yep. he doesn't care. Yeah, he's a uh, a Yale University commit next season as a freshman, uh, but also spent some time with the Youngstown Phantoms of the USHL, which is a, a league that um, gets you ready for college hockey. So uh, a lot of good things coming from this kid. I'm going to be paying much more attention to the Yale Bulldogs hockey this year and even might take a trip down to see our friend Thomas Nystrom and, webs- and website teammate to uh, get some uh, scouting um on him from an an eye test level, so we should plan a trip. Absolutely, yeah, that's already on our radar. We as soon as I was talking to uh, my wife about him, I was like, yeah, we definitely got to go down to Yale at some point. We've already got a trip planned for Orono in uh, early November when UMass Lowell tra- travels up to Maine. So looking for yeah, I mean, uh, we'll probably add Yale probably sometime maybe during after the new year. Uh, moving on down to Yuna Kolpanen. Um, <laughs> Another solid uh, development camp for the for the rangey forward. Um, really didn't st- really skill set really didn't stick out as much as it did last year. Pretty much the same average forward. So um, the nice thing yeah. is though he started playing in Providence more and more as his European season ended. Yeah. So I can see him really trans transferring well to the North American game. It seems like he's been able to pick it up a little bit better because I saw him a lot down in Providence during the last couple of weeks of the season and it seems like he's 
more so coming into his own. I remember the first time that I kind of saw him was actually at a, the a meet and greet with the players, funnily enough. But And then I saw him on the ice. So he just seemed a little timid, a little, you know, not sure of himself. But the more that he's been skating, especially on the smaller North American ice, he seemed to pick it up and more confidently use not only his size of 6'4 and 205, but his skill set per se he's still got a lot to work on in that sense but it's there it's definitely there and he's starting to use it more yeah in, in 10 games with the Providence Bruins to the uh the end of the season when he was uh his his uh league a league uh commit was over he, he got two goals so oh yeah. yeah in fact they were they were beauties too yeah. I think they were against the phantoms if I'm not mistaken and he was just cutting through them it was real good. He almost got a hat trick that night. I remember it vi- quite vividly. I don't remember the team that they were playing. Shame <laughs> on me. But uh, I definitely remember that at least one of those goals was just beauty. Absolute snipe. And moving on to another one of our favorites um, was Carson Coleman. Um, he's, <clears> a, he's, a, he's an undersized forward, but don't let that... It's not even really undersized. I mean, 5'11 I mean, five... is not horrible. Right, but I mean... He's no Austin Sarnik. Right, right. <laughs> Um, uh, definitely a skillful forward, um, really brought it to this camp. I, I thought that, I think his first day was a bit of an adjustment period and then days two and three and so on were, was a much better and he was more on the puck battles, uh, and really good on short ice three on three tourneys. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not tournaments, um, uh, uh drills. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's definitely a player that's going to, uh, stick out. Uh, and most likely be in Providence. Um, he got into two games last season uh, in the regular season with the Baby Bees and it had one assist. So I expect more production from him um, with more time. Um, and uh, stat watchers beware. He was playing in the national championship well, like very deep into the, uh, into I believe it was like late March, early April. So it's not a lack of skill or ability, but he only got like two games and he was only there for a week, two weeks before the playoffs started. So it was, uh, he's got a lot more to show than maybe the stat sheet would indicate. Absolutely correct. Uh, moving on to recently drafted. Um, I love this. I'm going to call him Jacob. Jacob Lauko. Okay, um, I was wondering where you're going with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I get the whole Jakob, Jacob, whatever, all messed up. So uh, this kid was a, another surprise. Um, he has got wheels. I mean, he. Uh, I believe that he said that he was the fastest skater in, in the draft class uh, in 2018, and and honestly, when he said that. He definitely proved it on the ice uh, at the Warrior Ice Arena. Um, tremendous set of hands, vision, um, and and like that speed. This, the speed I'm just going to keep gawking at because it, it was just something fun to see and how creative he can be in full stride and in his puck possession uh, while getting it at top speed. So I look forward to uh, his production. I, I believe, I don't think that he's going to be... Um, uh, in the North America next season, it remains to be seen where he ends up. Um, but um, 
he and he does have the option to go to the American Hockey League too as a as a um as a European skater so which is something that I like honestly about the European agreement because if you're in the CHL you have no chance to be able to make it closer to your parent club until you're 20 or if you're such a great talent that you just instantly transcend the developmental leagues and you go right to a, a spot on the big club. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to have some of these guys from Europe just kind of filtered through so that we can see them before they start making their appearance on the big stage. For sure. Um, next on our list is uh, Cedric Paré. Um, he, he was my first fumble um, uh, for an interview. I, I call, will not laugh. I know. I, I got killed. I, well, I didn't get killed, but the guys on the previous hour let me let me know about because I told them, and it was a big mistake. But anyway, um, <laughs> <I> no, <know. laughs> yeah, I did. I told them, but you yeah, know, it was it was just a rookie rookie mistake. <laughs> but um, uh, Cedric did all right. Um, nothing real flashy about him or his skills. Um, you know, he got drafted. The Bruins definitely see something in him. I see something in him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, uh, he, nothing really bursted out to me that said that he's just, he's got to be, um, you know, at the NHL level anytime soon, but he'll make it there. I, I'm pretty sure if it's oh, not, yeah. if it's not in the Bruins organization, it's definitely somewhere else. Uh, they he's don't... got, he's got like the it factor. There's yeah. something about him that you, you see that he's got, it's, it's, it's a, it, there's something about his game that's going to translate well to the NHL when he makes it. I think he needs to, like you said, refine a lot of skills. But if you were watching him, especially in the three on three drills, he had his head up and it was involved in that. He was a puck magnet in those three on three drills and that like, it's a one zone three on three drill. And he just had the puck so much whenever he was on, um, when he was skating, when he was out in that that sort of drill setting he was amazing and he he even held his own really well in the um the scrimmages on the last day i thought he looked very uh, i don't i don't know commanding he looked very calm confident collected mm-hmm. he just he looked like he belonged there so he's gonna probably be one of those sleeper picks that eventually he's not gonna break your top six but i could see him being in the middle six or maybe the bottom six I can especially see him being in the bottom six, but he's got a he's got a good skill set that translates well. And not to rehash the point, but I definitely see him in the show at some point. Yeah, Pare uh, spent the last season uh, with a with a very uh, unfortunate um, Saint Do- Saint John Sea Dogs team that mm. uh, the previous year went all the way to the Memorial Cup, um, and then last year was the last in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So and now he's with Vermouski with a trade that happened. So uh, obviously the St. John Sea Dogs are, bu- are rebuilding with, with with the trades of Pyre and uh, Joe Valeno, who um, who uh, left the uh, Sea Dogs organization back in November of 2017. So um, it's it, it's a little closer to home. Uh, Pyre told me it's a, instead of a six hour, it's about a three hour um, ride. So. Um, Ramuski's a pretty uh, damn good team, and I think that he'll very he'll, he'll oh, play yes. a he'll play a very good role on that team. I'm not sure where what uh, bottom six, top six. Um, with Valeno gone, he jumped up from a uh, basically a, a third and fourth line role player right up to the top line as their as their mm-hmm. uh, franchise center. So it remains to be seen. 
he said he was very excited. He thinks that honestly that the Ramuski team is going to be playing deep into the uh, into the playoffs. Like he said, he's really looking forward to hopefully challenging again for Memorial Cup. So he probably knows a little something about that team because he seemed really really excited to play there when I was talking to him. Um, and actually, we have an interview that um, you took from Cedric Pare. So why don't we listen to that right now? Talking with Cedric Pare at the Bruins Development Camp 2018. Cedric, uh, heading into camp, you find yourself excited, uh, excited, nervous, both? Yeah, excited. Uh, excited to see the guys and the, the staff to be around uh, the Boston Bruins uh, facility and to be with the coaches uh, to be on the ice. Excited, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. How do you feel you've progressed from last year? I think I, I progressed a lot. I uh, did a lot of ice time last year and uh, with, the, with the Sea Dogs, and uh, I played a lot, so uh, I think my progression is going pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, what aspects of your game are you working on this camp as compared to late, last year? Uh, my speed, obviously, and my uh, explosion, my oh, yeah. super step. Um, see it in that, uh, one of those one-zone drills, man. You were going quick. I like it. Yeah. How do you think of the, uh, what do you think of the new skating coach that Bruins brought in for the, uh, for the drills? What? What do you think of the uh, new skating coach that the Bruins brought in for this year? Oh, that's good. It's good, yeah. Uh, we have a, they have a good, uh, good uh, staff, and uh, they, help, uh, they help us a lot, and uh, that's fun, yeah. Absolutely. Did you uh, get a chance to meet Bruce Cassidy? I heard yeah. he was in the building today. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I met him. Uh, I met him, too, last year at the, the, the camp, and uh, I think he's a great coach. He really is, yeah. 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 Uh, after playing in the, the queue, what do you think of, like, what, what's the difference between the queue and, say, your competition here? Uh, for sure, you guys are quicker. They're, some guys are bigger and uh, a lot of skills. Like, more skills than I think in like uh, here than uh, in the queue, and uh, for sure it's fast. Yeah. How hard has it been for you to learn or adapt to a mostly English-speaking group? Uh, in San, like when I when I got into San John uh, two years ago, I wasn't speaking English at all, and uh, I don't speak English there. And uh, it's not perfect, but uh, I'm working on it. Hey, it's coming along good. Yeah, it's coming along good. Now, uh, I noticed that you were traded from uh, St. John's and Ramuski. How does it? I mean, first of all, how does it feel to be the guy in St. John's wearing the C and then getting traded? Uh, I wasn't captain. No. Will you wear the A? No. Not even, no. Really? Yeah. I guess I got something mixed up there. Cause I, yeah, I thought uh, I thought I saw you wearing the C in St. John's. No, I, I, I yeah, I was uh, I was the first first center and uh, I was playing on the first part of the first PK. With, uh, we, we were young and uh, I had a lot of ice time. It was fun. But uh, get traded to Ramuski, uh, I'll get the opportunity to go to Memphis maybe. Or, Absolutely, yeah. They are a good run in the playoff, so it's going to be fun. Yeah. You guys are going to be playing a lot of hockey come yeah. uh, next spring, I bet. Absolutely. Thanks, that was really good, Josh. Uh, how'd you feel? How'd you feel after um, after uh, the interview with Cedric? Not gonna lie, the first thing that was going through my head was get his name right. So. <laughs> <laughs> you had to after my fumble. <laughs> At least I had your uh, example to not follow. So uh, I was, I was, uh, and then actually I kind of fumbled. Not gonna lie, I I don't know as if you um, decided to include this particular part, but. I kind of screwed up because I thought that while he was with the St. John Sea Dogs, he was wearing either the A or the C. So 
I actually was misinformed. I guess I didn't do my research quite deeply as I wanted to. And uh, yeah, so he corrected me about where exactly he was at, like what his act, his his leadership role was. Because I said, you know, hey, I feel bad about you know that you you know you you go from the the captain, the, the guy, <laughs> to another team where you might not be as highly regarded. He's like. I never, I, I never wore the C. I never wore the A. And I was like, ah, oh, great. <laughs> so you know, I mean, <laughs> we both had our little fumbles, but um, yeah, he was a really fun interview because he's a very excited, very engaged sort of guy. So I see good things from him in the future. He's this is not like you like you said, maybe not with the Bruins, but he's gonna make it one day. Uh, moving on to. Uh, Pavel Shen, a Bruins prospect that was selected in the seventh round of the 2018 National Hockey League entry draft. He's going to be another one of those late round steals. Yeah, he. Um, I, I thought he's got explosive speed too. Um, yeah. And 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 a particular um, fun skill set. Uh, he brings a toolbox full of attributes. Yes. Um, yes. And 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 surprisingly, they took a Russian and uh, they. They haven't drafted a Russian since uh, Alexander Koklachev, um was with the organization now in the KHL. But uh, Pavel's another player that um, from Ufa that um, I believe is going to go back to uh, the K and play there to continue his development. Eighteen-year-old uh, kid, um, full of energy. I never understood a word he said, but. <laughs> Um, yep. You know, there, there was a lot of people. I mean, the the, the the draft class this year, they had five Europeans, I believe, out of this mm-hmm. out of the seven round picks. It was um, nice because at one point they had a guy who was an invitee, and in, in funnily enough, but he was an invitee and he actually spoke Russian fluently, so yeah. he was able to translate. I think that was Pavel. I think that was Philip Loganov. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Um, Moving on to Oscar Steen, uh, another player that that uh, kind of stepped up a little more in this development camp with his skill set. He's still a very fast player, undersized, uh, 5'9", uh, 188 pounds, but um, has it. I think that if, if a player like Steen ever comes to the American Hockey League in the next year or two, uh, he could be one of those... Um, uh, P.J. Axelson type uh, four checkers that that just wreaks havoc when you have the puck in your own zone while uh, his teammates are setting up to adjust uh, either on a line change or or whatever scenario. He's just got speed. He's got a little bit of grit, and and he's and he definitely has a um, a quick pro release. So sooner or later, um, uh, the uh, Providence Bruins are going to welcome him, uh, if not the uh, National Hockey League in the future. I think my favorite anecdote about Oscar Steen was uh, the hungry, hungry hippos analogy. Because <laughs> that, that's the exact, that's the way that he hounds the puck. He's amazing on the forecheck. Yeah. Um, he's got some decent numbers. Um, in the MHL, he had 26 points in, in 29 games. So, I mean, he can definitely, and that's a league lower than the K. Uh, it's kind of like their, their AHL to our NHL. So, uh, he's definitely got some skill sets that are, that are pretty impressive for a late round pick. Absolutely. Uh, uh, moving on to uh, Captain Jack Studnika. Uh, absolutely blew me away this this year, as he did last year when he came to to development camp. Um, but this year he had a sense of and it is development camp. It might not be a big deal to a lot of people. 
but the way he talked in the locker room for the four day duration uh, was all about him making this team this year, and and that's his goal. And and I was really impressed with that. Uh, it wasn't one of those situations where he said that I know, I'm going back down to Oshawa to to get another year. And he wants to be on this Bruins team that drafted him in the second round of 2017. So, um, big expectations for him. He's going to challenge for a roster in the NHL spot. There's no doubt. <clears throat> but I'm not sure with the um, the contracts that uh, the Bruins have committed right now are going to find way to uh, to open up a spot for him. If they do, it's great. I'm not saying that you know he's not going to make it. I'm not down in his talents or anything like that. But I, I, as a guy that I believe in development, I think one more year as a 19-year-old going back to the OHL, Oshawa would be a little bit more beneficial to him in the organization. And then after after his 20-year birthday, uh, a season later, he can, he can be ready for the uh, AHL or the pro level. Who knows? The nice thing is, though, I think something that he's got going for him and something that he and JFK actually both have going for them, uh, Jacob Forsbacker Carlson for the uneducated, um, they're both <laughs> right shot centers, which is huge. And uh, let me tell you how huge that is. In the National Hockey League of 32 teams, excuse me, 31 teams, there is exactly 21 right shot centers in the entire league who can play at the NHL level. So it kind of gives you an idea of how valuable they are. They're some of the rarest players in the world. I think both of them, both JFK and uh, Jack Studnika, have that going for them because that's it's it's huge. It's just another way that you can mess with the other team because a lot of the centers are left-handed. So to have, I mean, the Bruins already have Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci as right-shot centers, and we have two of the best. But for them to go out and pick two high-level centers who are also right shot shows a lot of forethought on the Bruins' part. And I think that that's going to be an asset that in the future will help Jack Stadnika out a lot. Because to have something innate like that about you, it's it, it kind of transcends skill level. It transcends maybe some things that you can develop. It's just something that you already have and that you can do well. So... I, I like that about him. I think that that's going to help him in the future. Yeah, and he had a career year last year with Oshawa as the um, as the captain, first year captain, uh, having seventy two points in in sixty six games. So um, he's definitely and it, and a good career too um, in the OHL. Uh, he's got one hundred and fifty points in one hundred ninety two career games. So impressive. He's primed. He's primed for success. Yep. I think his. He can he can absolutely challenge for a roster spot, but like you said, maybe he won't get it just because of the way that things are structured right now. Yep. Um, we got to move on to defensemen now, and I don't know why I messed up, but uh, we are going to go to Mr. Axel Anderson, a, a second-round pick of the Bruins at 57 of this year's draft. Uh, real surprise to me as an 18-year-old kid. Uh, seems to have a lot of what the Bruins really like in, in developing players because they immediately signed him um, to an entry-level contract um, right after camp ended. Uh, it, almost like the contract was right there. So it remains to be seen where he's going to go, whether he goes back to Europe or, or one of the teams that took him in the, uh, in the import draft in the CHL. 
But I I liked his game. I liked the way he he skated. He moved. The puck possession was really good. Uh, really intelligent looking up ice for that tape-to-tape stretch pass. Um, that was one of my favorite things to see. But also how he was in tight situations as a defenseman. Um, you know, the game's uh, growing and, and the skill is always being one-upped year to year. Uh, a defenseman like him with his hands, I, I just thought was amazing. The kid could stick handle in a phone booth. Um, yeah, you know, our favorite saying. I know. And, and it was just really, really cool to see that. <laughs> and, and it just shows what kind of player he is. Very outgoing player. Um, very nice, uh, good demeanor with him. And, and, and mature for his age. Um, I like what I see. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him in Providence and the way he works uh, under a Jay Leach uh, system. I could honestly, another thing that I really liked about him, I know that we talk about his skating, but if you looked at his stride, I have never seen a more fluid, absolutely, like that, that, that should be in an art museum somewhere. It was just that good. You've watched him and he just took right off. His short game was amazing. He just explodes in different directions, seemingly effortlessly. So when he was advertised as a smooth skating or explosive or elite skating, that's not an exaggeration. He is the real deal when it comes to skating. I think out of the, all of the prospects that I saw there, I liked his skating talents the best. He just, he absolutely has it. He does. He's a smooth, fluid skating defenseman that can really move the puck. And you really saw that when he was playing in the, what was that? The scrimmages on Friday. He really seemed to, kind of take all the drills that he's been doing, take all the information that he's been getting from the coaches and the feedback, and it seemed to kind of all click together. And I think that's exactly why that he got that contract. That and also it could be he might actually end up in one of those, um, the developmental, the CHL developmental leagues, because there's kind of a slide rule with the ELC where he's under contract, but it doesn't apply until a certain point. So you're basically getting five years out of a quote quote three year ELC. Yep. So maybe Sweeney's kind of swindling the system a little bit. Yeah, uh, and and he, he he played well over in the uh, Super Elite League in the J20 um, in in Sweden. I think that yeah Sweden. Um, he had uh, thirty one points in forty two games, six goals, twenty five assists. So that's pretty impressive. Um, moving on to another defenseman um, on the list is Victor Berglund. Um, I like this player just because this is the type of player that that PJ Axelson really, really uh, went to bat for at the uh, at the draft table and in uh, pre-draft discussions about adding players um, in the 2017 draft. Uh, he was picked in the seventh round, so um, he's got some good mobility. He's got some good size. Um, at six feet and, uh, 170 pounds, he could use a little more weight, but I liked his, uh, maneuverability in tight situations. I like the way he positions himself at the top of the key, uh, not afraid to take a shot. Um, but I, I don't really get to see a lot of these European players in game action. So these, these development camp times are, are, are good for me to, to gauge on what kind of player they are and what kind of skill set they bring. But uh, without seeing a lot of game time action, I really can't give a proper evaluation, a personal proper evaluation 
by by all means. But um, moving on to uh, Victor, I'm sorry. Wow, I, I'm killing it with these names. Daniel Bukash. Hey, that's like your first mistake. I think you're okay. I know, I know, but I don't know what it is. But I move on from one to the other, and I kind of jump the gun. But uh, Daniel Bukash um, was playing for the Western Hockey League's uh, Brandon Wheat Kings, and uh, was released not because he was his bad play, but it moved um, by moving him. It created a, a position uh, to get another um, European player on because they only teams are only allowed to have two imports, so they had to make runs. Right. But uh, I believe that he is either going to be going to Europe uh, and play hockey, or he can go to the uh, Kingston Frontenacs. Um, I'm sorry, was it? No. no, he was he was with the Brandon Wheat Kings, and then he got picked up by Kitchener. Another Kitchen? No, that was uh, Axel Anderson. Who? Oh, Niagara Ice Dogs. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I was right. like, it's an OHL team, but yeah. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. So, if he wants to report and stay in North America, that'd be cool for him. He'll get the good experience in the OHL, which is probably the 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 one of the better of the three leagues. Um. But yeah, I mean, he's a good kid. Um, what'd you think of him? He's a good kid, but there's something missing. There's he's he's a very raw talent, and I'm not sure that he's ever going to move past that rawness. I think there's always just going to be a level of polish that he'll he won't be able to get on his game. I mean, he's. He's got he's rangy. He's a big body defenseman, but I think he's got a lot of work ahead of him. And if he ever makes it to the show, it's going to be very late in his career. Right. It's, I I I can't put my finger on it, Mark. I'm sorry. I think I don't think my talent evaluation's quite to the uh, specificity of picking out what exactly is wrong with his game. But I think it's a lack of hockey IQ. It's that kind of nebulous ability to see the ice in its entirety and know not just where the puck should go but where you should go after the puck goes where it does yep i'm just not exactly sure that he has the capacity to move that from say the developmental leagues even into the ahl i think he might just he might go back to Europe and might stay there or i could be completely wrong he puts it all together and he becomes our next stud defenseman. So, <laughs> oh, that's fair. I like. Yeah, I appreciate I, the yeah, honesty. Right now, I'm not. I don't see it. So, if he puts it together in the future, great. He's a, another late round pick that worked out extremely well. But I think the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. All right. How about moving down to Dustin McFall? Oh, I like Dustin. Dustin go, go was ahead with very this. honest with me, and I, that's what I liked about him was that he was enthusiastic to talk. He was a little rough around the edges in terms of his skills and maybe sensing where to go, but he was very honest with me, and he was very honest with himself. Yeah, he was a sixth-round pick in 2018 uh, as a 17-year-old defenseman uh, out of Canada um, and is committed to Clarkson University, good school. Very good school. Um, and he played uh, with the Pickering Panthers in the OJHL. 
uh, and had 19 points in 38 games. So uh, I I thought he was a he was good. I liked his speed and uh, you know I like the way he moves um, and his tra- transition time is good. Once he gets the puck, it, it's just it's time to to get the wheels turning and 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 move it as fast as possible out of the zone, whether it be uh, him carrying it or or snapping that that pass up the boards or up the middle uh, to get the play moving um, right east to right. west. So I think his uh, decision making is there, but it needs to come quicker. Yeah, if you catch my drift, like he knows what to do, he reads the ice well, but there's his timing is just a little bit off. Like I remember seeing in a couple of the drills, and especially on scrimmage day, it, there was. There was one egregious one where he just passed right into an opposing skater's blade and that skater just took off down the ice with the puck. So he knew where he wanted to go and he probably had the right idea, but it just needed to happen a little bit quicker. So maybe at Clarkson with the NCAA game, he'll have to, you know, learn that on the fly and hopefully he picks that up really well. But yeah, I mean, he was he's a good kid. And the nice thing about him, though, is uh, I think I brought this up. He, he's the youngest guy out there by far. Like he's 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 playing with guys who are almost a year older than him. So he's got a lot of time to develop and to grow. So I'm not really worried about, say, his development curve at this point. Just kind of get him exposed to what his what he's going to have to do now, and then let him go from there. Let's see how he is in a year. Exactly, and and he's got a good frame. He's six two. And uh, 185 pounds, so he's definitely got time. Um, and he, as a, to as add a, to that, to add to that, I'm sorry, you just made me think of something. But he's got a very active and rangy stick too. If you watched him, he's he's very, very good in his own end. Yeah, breaking like down the lanes. Cut, right, exactly. He takes down lanes, and he's not very frantic. He's very calm and collected about kind of what he does, despite his age. You know, you'd think with inexperience or with a younger age, but he seemed to very. He seemed poised. He seemed cool, calm, collected, kind of ready to do his thing. So I think, I think they got something there. It's just going to take another couple of years to see how his de- where what exactly his developmental curve will be. Right. Yeah, I like I like the size, um, and and he can definitely put on uh, fifteen to twenty pounds uh, yeah, over very, his course at Clark's at Clarkson before he's very steps, lanky. Very, very steps lanky. into the professional level. So and then uh, the last one of the uh, the Bruins prospects is uh Euro Vakaninen. Uh, he, he blew absolutely blew me away again this year uh, in his second uh, development camp. Um, he's another one he's just he, he's got good size. He's already got the good weight that I mean, he's so close, so close to being a pro. I think he's a year away, though. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, while I'm excited about him as much as you are, I think there's something missing that will keep him in Providence for at least this year. But going forward, I could definitely see him transitioning right into uh, perhaps an NHL spot in the in the not-too-distant future. He's just... Mark, I really can't put my finger on it. I think it's like maybe a confidence thing or maybe uh, he's 
he knows what he needs to do, but he needs to have that kind of execution, that more aggressive, that more assertiveness about him. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's all the confidence and 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 growth in his game. You know, it doesn't hurt to to go down to the the the, the lower levels of development oh, and work on those things. You know, absolutely. I mean, look what. I always use uh, Jake DeBrusque as a, as a perfect example. If, if he didn't, if he didn't go to the AHL for a full season, I don't think you saw the year that he had last season in the NHL. I think that it's just something that, with me, it, I, I think it's very important. And and to go down to Providence and learn the system and the and the and smaller ice of North America, I think Euro is going to be a great a great player. And actually, you had a really good interview with him, and we'll, just, we'll play that right now. Talking with Erho uh, Bakanainen, uh, Bruins 2018 development camp. Um, heading into camp, did you find yourself nervous, excited, both? Uh, more excited. You know, last last year was the first time I was here, so I was, that was pretty nervous. But right now, I'm just excited. How do you feel you progressed from last year? Uh, well, I've gotten a lot stronger. Uh, I think my shots better than last year. Uh, just overall, my game has developed a lot. You know, I had much playing time in, in Finland, and you know, love your skating ability. By the way, You've got a very good stride out there. Thank you. What would you say is your uh, greatest on ice on ice strength? Skating. <laughs> what aspects of your game are you focusing on this camp, and uh, what would you say your goal is for the coming year? Uh, in my game, or what? Just in general. Well, my biggest goal is to take a spot from Boston. You know, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The uh, Bruins training staff, what do you think you've learned the most from? Well, like I said in the previous interview, we have a good skating coach. I like his drills. You know, he, he has taught me a couple of things, so uh, I did that. It really keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Is there a, uh, like a player that's currently on the team or past, present, future that you kind of like to model your game after? Uh, well, I don't have any from anyone from Boston, but I like to watch Roman Yosti. He's, he's really good. He, he's good at everything. You know, I try to be like him. Definitely. How do you find the pace is different from coming over from Europe? Well, it's smaller ink, so of course it's different. They're fast players in Europe too, so uh, you the make the most the of the space that you're getting. Yeah, well, the ring, ring makes the difference. Definitely. So. How hard is it for to learn to, or to like adapt to kind of mostly an English-speaking group? Do you find it's difficult, or do you find uh, you're understanding everybody pretty well? Uh, you get better at it like every year. You know, we had uh, we had like five or six guys from North America in, in our Finnish team, so uh, I spoke a lot of English with them. So it, you know, got a lot of practice. Coming yeah, this yeah, year. yeah, for awesome. sure. Thanks, Euro. I appreciate it. He was funny. I really liked. I really liked Euro, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and the way he like kind of. Uh, came back at uh, a couple of the questions that you said, especially the I one, know, yeah, the one about skating. <laughs> He's like, "What's what's your favorite thing uh, besides just skating? What's your favorite thing about?" And, the, and he was like, "Skating." <laughs> but you know, he, he's a good he's a good guy. Um, he's definitely going to be an asset in the future. I, I I look forward to seeing him at whatever level. But um, he, solid he addition has yeah he yeah he's definitely got the top end skill set. He just needs to figure out how to put it all together 
in I, I, I know I I wish I could figure out exactly what I'm trying to say he just needs to figure out how to put the puzzle pieces together to make that complete picture of a player that he can be because he absolutely can his ceiling's really high it's just figuring out okay we're starting at point A now how do we get to point Z where Erho is a complete player yeah absolutely and you're right the AHL will absolutely be an asset to him and for people out there who think, oh, you know, he's going to start his career in the minors, well, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of great players that have started their careers out in the minors. Just because a player spends a year or two or three even down there is not a bad thing if that's what they need for their development. So it's not an indictment on Erho. It's just that that's what his development curve is, and it's really a very good way to cost-control the player, I hate to say. I know that, you know, players should get paid their due, but in the salary cap era, we also have to consider the monetary implications of signing a bunch of top-end talent all at the same time. You're going to run into cap jail extremely quickly, and maybe while Peter Chiarelli was the one who was paying fourth-line grinders, you don't also want to do that with maybe four or five, just four or five top-end players. So... I'm I'm okay with the development curve that Erho's on because it's gonna it's gonna benefit us in the long run. So, to people who say, "Oh, why'd you draft this guy?" Just think of the big picture. Don't exactly look at the immediate, like 2018-2019. Start looking more ahead towards the future and think of the overarching plan that Sweeney's building because I think he's building almost a dynastic contender that's going to be good for year after year after year after year while also being free of cap jail absolutely um moving on to the goaltenders there were three uh in camp this year um and we'll talk about kyle keezer um he's continues to impress um uh, this was technically his first development camp under bruins um property but he was at uh, an invite to rookie camp uh, last fall. So, uh, and uh, obviously with the departure of uh, Malcolm Subban uh, via um, waiver process to the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Kyle Kiesa was signed in um, October of 17. So, uh, good player. Uh, he's got good size. He takes up a lot of the net. He's got good reaction time, good lateral movements back and forth. Uh, there's always uh, things to work on. Um, his glove hand. He's got extremely, <laughs> extremely good oh, oh. blocker vision when he and, and he watches the puck really well. But and we're going to be saying that a lot. There's a lot of glove hands uh, during this week of, of development camp that we were just like, wow, you really should have had that one. But oh yeah, um, no knock on them for the for trying and because they're, they're much better developed. than yeah they're just still developing and they're a hell of a lot better than we are so <laughs> i like i like kyle a lot he's a good kid um very outgoing a pleasure to talk to uh and i and definitely going to be one of those players that's going to head back to Oshawa because he's 19 um uh, and, and there's no room at the nhl level for him so um development time uh back in Oshawa is, is is much needed so i like him I really want to see him work on his, like you said, glove hand, but I also want to see him work on his rebounds. Some of the rebounds that he gave up were a little worrisome, but interestingly enough, something that I saw during 
yet again, the uh, scrimmage day was he's got kind of a clutch gene about him in that he comes up with a lot of big saves and they're not big saves because, you know, he was out of position and he, he and he needed to scramble back. It was big saves that he came up and robbed somebody blind in a moment where the defense failed him. So while, you know, we kind of critique his glove hand and maybe his rebound control, he's got a very good sense of he he knows what it takes to be in the net, to do the extra work, and to come up with those moments that leave you kind of asking, how did he do that? So while we might nag on him, I definitely think that he brings a lot to the table, and I'm really interested to see his growth going forward with Oshawa because – it's going to be interesting. I think he might be a, a like a sneaky choice to kind of, you know, out of maybe out of a, a future camp or out of Oshawa or out of the AHL to to contend for a job. It might be a while in the future, but I think he showed me a lot at development camp that I really liked about him. And moving on to the second goaltender and and one of our favorites because uh, he's such a good kid when he when oh he, I know when exactly he talks. who you're talking about and that's Jeremy Swayman uh, who played for the University of Maine Black Bears last season as a freshman and uh, really took over the uh, the starting role over uh, Robert McGovern who was uh, there for two seasons uh, prior um, just came in wanted to play in front of Red Gendron um, and uh, and and. Really, what I I got about this interview that I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, play in a little bit was the way he talked about goaltending coach Alfie Michaud of the Black Hawk, I mean the, the Black Bears and um, the tutelage that uh, Mike Dunham, which is the goaltending development coach for the Bruins, has done when he's gone up. And Mike Mike's obviously a a Maine alumni, so it kind of worked out really well uh, there. Um, and he. He talks so very well of those, you know, saying that you put those two guys in the same sentence. It's just, you know, so uh, take a listen to the interview that I did with Jeremy Swain. It's a little brief, but it was good because they were they were kicking us out of the room. So, uh, so listen to that right now. I'm here at 2018 um, Boston Bruins Development Camp with goaltender Jeremy Swayman. Jeremy, uh, first of all, thanks thanks so much for coming on the Boston Black and Gold Hockey Podcast back in in, uh, in January. Absolutely. No, it was a tremendous honor to be a part of that, and I think, uh, you know, being the first one is something special, so I was yeah. happy to be that, be a part of that, and uh, no, it's great to finally meet you in person and uh, and get rolling with development camp here. Absolutely, yeah, it was really badass for you to come on, because uh, uh, you, you, you were our first prospect, so, I mean, it was a first all around. Um, I wanted to talk about last year um, at UMaine, and... Um, you did. You, you pretty much blew a lot of people's expectations away with your in your freshman year. I, I really wanted to concentrate on how Mike Dunham and, and Alfie Michaud have brought like that professional kind of feeling into the tutelage that you need to to move on and and the hard work that it, it's needed to be an NHL player. Well, you say those two names in one sentence, and you know you can get anything from that. The, the two of those guys together. Uh, Having the opportunity to work with them personally is uh, not like nothing else. They have, they've given me you know all the mementos I need to to elevate my game and get to the pro level. And I've soaked everything up like a sponge that they've told me. And again, the relationship is just starting. And um, 
you know, Alfie Misho, I keep in contact with him, you know, once a week, even on the off season, and it just uh, it shows, you know, not only does he care about you uh, as a hockey player, but he cares about you as a person. And uh, I know that Mike Dunham has the same same feeling uh, in that sense as well. And so I'm very fortunate to have those two on my side, and I plan to uh, to keep that relationship strong throughout my career. Awesome. Um, Expectations for next season? Um, obviously, a better year, but are you going to do anything differently over this off season to prepare for um, a sophomore year? Absolutely. No, I definitely want to increase uh, everything my off ice. Um, you know, uh, when that comes to, to weightlifting, to the cardio, and as well as get on the ice and work on my edge work and my hands as well. And so, uh, I do expect uh, a lot of success in the uh, in the next season to come. I know we have uh, a lot of tools coming to our team and that are already on our team to to get that to happen. And I'm very excited for what's to come, and I'm going to do everything I can to get to that to that awesome. level. Awesome, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Like I said, he's just got he's got just a vibe to him that you know that. A, a bad day can be a good day um and i like what i see i he's he's a he's a project he's a work in progress no matter what he's still got at least three more seasons at the university of maine so uh, that's good we can look forward to that and he'll, he might transition to the pro level good when well goaltenders like Tuka Rass might not be around anymore i know a lot of fans love hearing that from me but um the haters anyway um <laughs> But you know, I think I think he's going to work well, and, and the way he's he's working with with these goaltending coaches. And speaking of Alfie Michaud, was, I was kind of really uh, sad to see that that um, uh, rumor has it that Alfie signed a deal with the um, Vancouver Canucks uh, to be their goaltending coach. So uh, I think yeah, Alfie, I read about that. Yeah, he's leaving the University of Maine to go to the pro level. Most likely, will be with the Utica Devil. I mean, the Utica Comets. Um, so he'll he'll be close to New England anyway, but I mean congratulations to him nonetheless. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because the absolutely. way that Jeremy Swayman talks about him, it's almost the way that you'd revere kind of an idol, kind of a like a, a a big figure in your life, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, like you were saying, Swayman talks about him as if he was almost like a a, a revered family member or somebody in just who's reached another level of kind of closeness with Swayman that. He's not only coached him about his life, like his goaltending, but about his life as well. Just how to be a player, how to be a player on the ice and off the ice, and that's definitely reflected. I mean, uh, Mark, you were telling me, I think it was off the air, in fact, how Swayman was saying, you know, how Swayman was not only, you know, he didn't exactly, he's never met you in person, but he recognized you and was like, hey, come on over, like, like let's chit chat. And yeah, with I... me, the he, with me, it was the same way. His his he just. There was that sense of recognition. There was that kind of brightening of his persona where he was like, look, I remember you. I saw you in Providence. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? Right. How's, you know, how's your summer been going? And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm asking you these questions, bud. What are you talking about? So, well, as, as you heard in the in the in the interview, I, I did. He was he was so appreciative that I that I wanted to talk to him back in January when I I reached out and just said, hey, you know, you're one of my favorite prospects. I'd love to get you on the show. And he's like, anytime. And I made the time and he, and he absolutely committed to it. Um, and uh, I, I asked him, I said, I'll be at development camp. And he's like, make sure you send me a message so I can come out and greet you. I, at that time, I didn't know that I was going to have special access to the locker room over, over this uh, duration of development camp. 
But when I was in the room and he got done talking to somebody, I believe he was talking to Matt Kalman, and, and I was just sitting there waiting, he just looked over and said, Mark, finally great to meet you. And I was just kind of blown away that I didn't even talk to him about meeting, but, um, you know, he just kind of recognized me and welcomed me right over to a to a, a couple-minute conversation, which I thought was pretty cool and, and, and a class act, uh, to be honest. And it's really cool because not only is he a good person off the ice, but he's an amazing goaltender too. Yeah, he's really fun to watch. He's just got some. He's got some really good skills that, that are really impressing a lot of the Bruins management and, and media. Um, I like his. I like his aggressive style, but he's also very positionally sound. And I'm going to mention this in a future article, so you can kind of. I'll give you a sneak preview right now, but he's just teaser. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but. If you look at the way that he pl- approaches the game, he commands the net and he challenges shooters and he challenges not only shooters, but he challenges people who are considerably older and more experienced than him and does it with a very commanding, very poised sense about him where he doesn't look out of place. He doesn't look like he doesn't belong. He absolutely looks like he's earned the spot, the starting role in Maine for a good reason. And I invite people who haven't seen him. Maine, I believe, streams their games for free, if not maybe like a buck or two. So if you have an extra couple of bucks and you want to watch some really good hockey, stream a Maine game. You will watch one of the most amazing dynamic goaltenders in the NCAA level. And Alphonse Reem is amazing. I cannot wait to go up there to experience one of those games in person. And to end the uh, prospect hour, um, one of my favorite goaltenders, and I know I talked a lot about Jeremy Swayman, but I've been on this Dan Vladar train uh, since he was picked in the 2015 draft in the third round as the uh, second highest ranked uh, European goaltender that year. Um, he brought it again this year as, as a veteran of these development camps and, and, and showed, again, a lot of leadership uh, while learning more from uh, Bob Asenza and and uh, and and Mike Dunham, but he was also there for the people like Kyle Kieser and Jeremy Swayman. That you know, and they were a pretty tight group. They they all shared the same little area in the locker room, which I thought was impressive. But uh, Dan's got a nice set of skills for a big goaltender. Uh, he shuts down the uh, the bottom of the net um, really well with his frame. I mean, he could literally. Uh, get down and cover the whole net and still have uh, leg room to go past the each post. Uh, that's how big this kid is. And uh, he, another player that's got to work in his glove hand, but the things are there. And, and he played in, in the um, East Coast Hockey League Atlanta Gladiators organization for the past two seasons and, and was uh, sprinkled into the American Hockey League when injuries happened um, at the pro level, the trickle-down effect required him to move up uh and for coverage and he played well six 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 two and two record with some really good goals against and um and save percentage so um he was fun he talked uh the interview i'm just about to play right now he talked about um coming over from uh europe to the uh the the united states hockey league with the chicago steel and then filtering into the pro level with the east coast hockey league and and in his and then you know, uh, his expectations of next season because Jordan Bennington is now gone 
he signed um, a contract to go back to his St. Louis Blues organization. And those guys have now their own American Hockey League team, which they didn't have last year. They had their, they had their franchise sprinkled all over the American Hockey League looking for ice time uh, to, uh, to keep them playing. So uh, he's going definitely going back. So Vodar's going to be up uh, full-time next season uh, sharing the duties with um, Zane McIntyre. So uh, check out this, uh, this uh, audio I have of, of uh, Dan Vodar. It was really fun to talk to him, and he's such a good kid. I'm here with Dan Vildar at 2018 uh, Development Camp for the Bruins. Uh, Dan, I, you got to clarify something for me because EliteProspects.com says that your last name is pronounced Vladesh. Is that correct? Yeah, it's in Czech language, but I I feel like for you guys it might be easier Vladar. 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 Yeah. Much easier. With R at the end, yeah. Absolutely. So it might be so it might be easier for you. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. Uh, tell me about your game coming over from from the European style, bigger ice. Uh, it really doesn't big ice doesn't really matter to you, a goaltender, but coming over and then playing a year in the Chicago Steel in the United States Hockey League. Yeah. How does that How does that transition prepare you for the East Coast League? And you played for the two years, and now hopefully a permanent position in the Providence Bruins. I mean, um, I mean, obviously it was higher at the beginning because I, I played pro hockey, then I had to had to go back, or I I, I don't have to, but like I, I wanted to go to to go back to juniors to, to just get used to the, uh, a little bit small smaller size of the ring. So yeah, it was it was hard at the beginning. It took me probably like a month and a half, two months, but I had a real good organization, real nice billet family, real good golden golden coach Peter Manino, who was who was working with me basically every day like for for multiple hours. So so he helped me a lot, and then then once I moved pro, I. Played pro hockey when I was 17 back home, so it wasn't it wasn't anything new for me. It was just a little bit different because of the of the size of the of the rink. But I, I think I, I I got used to used to used to pro hockey real quick, and um, I, I love it. Like I mean, that's that's what everyone wants to do: just play pro hockey and just just have hockey like a, like a number one thing in, in their lives. And uh, that's that's what all we want to do just 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 to play pro hockey and um, maybe play in this league uh, and speaking of uh, getting work done and, and learning um, how much have you learned from uh, Mike Dunham who was, who was hired last year to uh, be a goaltender consultant or a development coach so uh, so he's a I will start a, he's a he's a great person like I remember when uh, when when he when he played in NHL or either when he played a world championship in, in Czech I was watching him so um, so yeah, he's a he's a great person. We like we were we were in touch three three four times a week, and every every single question that I had, I just called him or FaceTime or text him, and he was always on his phone. I got a response in like an hour. So so it was it was great. Like he he came he came down to visit me, or either when I was in Providence, I spent the time with him, or when when he came down to Atlanta. So so it was a, it was a real good year for me. I think I developed like as a, as a goaltender, and he he was helping me with every every every, every single thing. Um, with the um, uh, uh, Bennington most likely going back to his uh, St. Louis Blues organization, are you prepared and ready for that full-time role as splitting time with maybe Zane McIntyre? Of course, of course, I am. That's, that's my goal for next season, just to be, just get a job in Providence. And either if if Benner is gonna come back, or either if he's gonna be with, with St. Louis, there there nothing changes for me. Like either when he's gonna be here, I'm still still gonna do the same thing, just work work as hard as I can and uh, trying to get a get a job there. And uh, then uh, if if it's not gonna happen, and uh, I'll go go back wherever or what team is gonna be, I'm just still gonna gonna do the same. Thing just as I said, like just work hard, just have fun every every single day there, and just hope that uh, I'm gonna. I'm just, just right now, I'm just hoping that I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna get a job in Providence, and I will do everything. 
I'm good. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, you Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And uh, that's it. I mean, I don't think that we, I mean, I, I just want to kind of go through the list of, uh, of the invites that I, I thought were uh, pretty decent. I thought Nick Wolf was a good defenseman. Um, Timu, I can't say his damn name. <laughs> Can you say it? Hold on. Timu, 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 Timu. Timu Kivahalmi. Oh, Kivahalmi. Yeah. Uh, Lucas uh, X something Johnson. Oh, X, Eckestall Johnson. Yeah, I oh, liked him. He was good, a, he was you're a good at this. <laughs> um, yeah, Philip. Yeah, right. Philip Boulier. <laughs> yeah. Philip Boulier, I thought was pretty decent. Uh, Nick Albano. Um, oh, yeah. In fact, I actually want to do a little shout out to him after we're done this. Uh, he's from Beverly, Mass., which is close to me. So good for him. And he plays for UMass Boston. I uh, had 35 points in 27 games in Division Three, so that's pretty impressive. And I, um, I, I'm not comparing this guy to Charlie McAvoy. That's that was just a little crazy. Oh boy! But uh, Colin Thiessen, uh was pretty good. Um, Tom, Tom Marishan. Oh, Martian. Martian. He was he was pretty decent. Philip Loganoff was good, and. Uh, Michael Fossier. Uh, he... uh, I was about to say, when are you going to get to uh, Mitchell Fossier? Yeah, I'm going up the list, man. Take it easy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he plays for the University of Maine and, and Jeremy Swayman's teammate. So, um, and Henry Bowlby. Yeah, Bowlby. Uh, Big bowl. And Stephen Bayless. I thought Stephen Bayless had some had some skill for it, uh, an invite. And he um, showed it that week. So, drop some knowledge on me, my friend, before we say goodbye. All I was going to say really was that, yeah, I liked Nick Albano's game. It was really good to see maybe somebody who didn't get a lot of uh, attention before development camp in a D3 school. He showed up a lot of in- good instincts, a lot of good wheels, uh, I just a lot of good skills. I think he's going to get a shot, a crack at something somewhere down the line like this is not the end this is nick albano is not going to be relegated to just playing d3 hockey for the university of massachusetts and boston i think he's gonna go places based on his invitation i think a lot of people he was turning heads he saw the media scrums around him he was very much so in people's minds in people's minds eyes as well so i would well, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him kind of pop up on other people's radar in the not-too-distant future. And Beverly Mass native, shout-out to that guy. Yep, absolutely. My well, uh, my mother's side of the family is from Beverly Farms, Beverly Mass. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for the kid to hopefully do some th- greater things in the future. Awesome. And that is it for our prospect update for the um, our July, the beginning of July. And... And like I said in the previous hour with the uh, with Court and Rob, we're probably not going to be coming back um, until at least September when we get everything ramped up for the uh, 2018-19 hockey season. But um, Josh, you're going to be coming back uh, for a full season? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. definitely. I'm, I'm for sure looking forward to it. It's going to be a good one. And now, I mean... I'll have some of the experience of going up to Maine and some other things to share with you guys. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be getting some more killer audio and 
will be yeah it's gonna be good we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff to share with the listeners absolutely we got a lot of things coming up this this uh, the upcoming season with like you said audio uh, more articles at black and gold hockey black and gold hockey.com and obviously your uh, your work on the sinbin.net website for covering the ahl bruins uh josh bemis uh, you can find him at two causeway on the tweet machine and uh, read his stuff, um, shipping up the causeway.com blog. Uh, Josh, thanks again for, for joining me today. And um, I look forward to, to getting back on a, a weekly discussion when we ramp Definitely. up in September. My pleasure, Mark. Looking forward to next season. Awesome. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this Prospect Hour and, and the previous hour when we talked to Court and Rob about everything uh, NHL brewing. So uh, we'll be back um, soon. I mean, enjoy your summer. Enjoy the long off season, But... We will be ramping things up in September. So thanks again for listening. Thanks again for the support. And uh, keep it up. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at BlackandGold277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob40Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.